What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 35 of Ready to Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at Ready Play Movies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is September 7th, 2021, and I'm your host, Louis Menchaca. And joining me today is my co-host, Mr. Troy Bracey. Yo, 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 we back. Yeah, how's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? I can't wait to talk about movies. This is a good one, for sure. All right, so I am uh, doing this live right now, and it seems that we're called Starcross Lovers Episode 5. Oh, uh, it, it didn't get changed? <laughs> the title didn't get changed. Oh, well, man. I thought you said it got changed. I thought it did, but he said, I got a text message saying, text message saying that it should have been updated, but I guess not. It's okay. I can't change the title, and it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep an eye on this uh, live chat here. Uh, let me see if I can pop it out here. Oh yeah, pop out chat. There we go. So that way I don't have to like, there, pull up the stream. So I'm going to keep an eye on the chat over here on that window. And uh, we're just going to sort of do this show live because we usually pre-record this podcast and I upload it to YouTube later as a VOD. Uh, but we're live streaming it. Hopefully if people come in the chat, we can interact with them and say hi, what's up. But uh, we got to let them know it's not. Whatever the title is. It's not Starcross Lovers. It's not yeah. Starcross, yeah. <laughs> Star, right. Not Starcross Lovers. I think it's called Starcross Gamers. That's their that's their Sunday podcast. Uh by the way, like the level the level one gaming YouTube channel, all of their podcasts are live streams. Like they they oh, they, okay. they, they upload cool. it live. We're the only show that does pre recorded. Like ready to oh, play yeah. ready, ready to press play, ready to play movies, they're they're pre recorded. So we don't get any interaction. We don't interact in the chat. Hopefully we do now, but I'll see if anyone um watches and i saw that there was someone else watching us so yeah anyways uh yeah we didn't we didn't go um we didn't put the the audio up on uh on the morning like i say normally say 8 a.m central is normally what we do uh we did not record last night i was tired i went hiking troy and man it was like a full body workout i was tired and i just couldn't do it that hiking to do that to you man that hiking to do that to you i was uh riding bikes with a friend of mine too and uh, he had to drive riding all over the city and stuff. Damn. So, yeah. So I, I was, know I, how you feel. I had a headache, man. Like I was just tired, man. I wanted just to collapse. And I was, <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, man, I got to do a podcast tonight too. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I, it's cool though because it's the holidays. You know what I'm saying? So it yeah. really looked like it fell right in the place of Labor what people, would, yeah, what people ex- would expect. Labor so. Day, your routine is off. You're not. You're hanging out with more people than normal. Right. So you're just right. Sort of like, yeah. So we didn't record uh, the show, and we're not, you know timely but at least we're still on tuesday we're not missing the week um and i have a policy that if we do miss a week we have to do two in one week to like make up for make it. up for it so we got the episode the num- the week the episode count is right but anyways you know troy it's the beginning of the beginning of the month it's uh, the first week of the month it's september started so now we gotta we gotta go back to the future Yeah, Back to the Future is the segment where we do the anniversaries for all the movies uh, that came out in the in the five year increments from five years, ten years, twenty years, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, we're not gonna lie, we're not gonna do the forty and fifty years or forty five and fifty years marks and stuff because I didn't think that they were worth 
mentioning Hey I'm okay with that I feel yeah. like well, There's no point of going That far back anyway So you know, I'm always good with that Sometimes yeah. they be having classics Like when we had Like Willy Wonka And the Chocolate Factory And stuff like that But like if I've never heard of it You know I mean I Congratulations you turned 50 But Who cares <laughs> Yeah yeah. <laughs> so uh, But anyways So first up Let's go ahead and start off With the uh, The five year The five year mark here So I'm not gonna lie Troy I have not heard of A bunch of these movies And I remember September of 2016 So uh, Yeah let me know If, if uh, you know All of these titles uh, The first one is Morgan Then there was The Light Between Oceans Sully The Wildlife When the Bow Breaks this, the Disappointments Room, Blair Witch, Bridget Jones's Baby, Snowden, there, I know that one, that's a good one, Hillsong, Let Hope Rise, Storks, I would say arguably maybe the biggest movie out of this bunch, The Magnificent Seven, uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Deepwater Horizon, Masterminds, and Queen of Katwe. Okay. Have you heard of all of these? Not all of them, but it's a few of them I've heard of. Deep Water Horizon probably is the best one. That's that one with Mark Wahlberg or whatever. And, yeah. Uh, that that one's a good movie. Uh, Morgan, I remember that movie that came out. Uh, Sully, that's that. Uh, the, the Tom Hanks movie. The Tom Hanks, yeah, directed by, uh, we were just talking about it. What was the name? Um <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's pull up. Uh, dang it! What is this? No, I should know this. Uh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. There oh, you that go. was Clint Eastwood. Yeah, right yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, we just we talked about it the other day. Actually, yeah. Clint, right. uh, Clint Eastwood, and that was a, a damn good movie. That was actually one of Clint Eastwood's better movies in the last in a while. So yeah, I remember him doing his thing on that. And then uh, the Magnificent Seven, like you said, that's probably like the biggest yeah. blockbuster movie that came out like, with all uh, the superstars, Denzel, yeah, uh, Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt and all them. Uh, so, uh, damn, what's the name of Kingpin from Netflix? Uh, uh, that, yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, him. I can't think of. I believe is it Garofalo? No, that can't be right. I, I can't remember his name, but we know who all who right, he is. Uh, so yeah, he um, was in that. But uh, so yeah, that was a big movie, you know what I'm saying? And I think it was directed by the same guy that directed Training Day. So he worked with Denzel Washington before, and he Vincent D'Onofrio. That's yeah, yeah, him, him, yeah, and Ethan Hawke. I forgot he was in that. So yeah, so you know, and that's crazy how the director that directed Training Day directed the movie, and then Ethan Hawke and Denzel Washington is also in the movie. They both was in Training Day, so <laughs> that's that's uh, that was pretty cool. Um, so that one. All right. So Morgan starred Kate Mara and Anya Taylor Joy. I never heard of that. You movie. don't remember that one? Mm -mm. Yeah, the, but that was a little uh, horror movie. The Light Between Oceans starred My Michael Fassbender and Alicia Vikander and Vikander and Rachel Weisz. Yeah. So we don't uh, need to go through all the like the names and stuff, but yeah, like most of these movies, like you said, I don't really remember them like that. But they, you know, they were solid. Oh, and uh, the what was it? Snowden. Snowden. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one too. That was uh, that one was a pretty good one. That one was good. Like you learned some shit that <laughs> in that movie that you never thought like you knew. So. Yeah, that one was good. JGL, yeah. Yeah, that one was good, and that was a great performance by uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He kind of fell under the radar at the Oscars, but, you know, yeah. So that, that's all the ones I know. Yeah, it's, it's just like, I, I want to look at this one, The Queen of Cat Week, because like, it has had an Oscar nominee in there. Let me see here if I can find it. Uh, let's see, where is it at, where is it at, where is it at? I should just like, do a, damn, there's so many freaking movies. All right, you know what? I'm going to do a cheat code here, hit Control-F, and hit Queen. 
queen. There we go. So that's what it was. David oh, Yellow and Lupita Nyong'o. I remember that one. I remember that one. Actually, I didn't even, never end up seeing. I think that was done by Disney, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right here. So it, Disney right here. Oh yeah, yeah. And Lupita uh, Nyong'o. Uh, yeah, that's what I was saying. That's the only reason like I was like looking at it. I was like. But yeah, I never got to see that one, but that them they had some heavy hitting actors in there with David Oyelowo and all that. So yeah. Yeah, and also I did I did see the Miss Peregrine's uh, Home for Peculiar Children back in theaters. Uh, it was like one of them was like the Invisible Kid, and one of them was had like had to wear boots because he floats in the air. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then one of them kind of. Like, I remember say, I remember the trailer that, for that one. I remember yeah. the trailer. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to the ten year mark here, and let's see what we got here. Ten years ago, it was September of twenty eleven. And we had Apollo 18, uh, Shark Knight, Contagion, Warrior. Uh, yeah, it's like, that's a good one right there. Creature, Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star. Oh, God, that was such a trash movie. Kevin Hart, Laugh at My Pain, back when comedies didn't, de- uh, stand-up routines didn't ne- uh, debut on Netflix directly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Drive with Ryan Gosling. I Don't Know How She Does It, the Sarah Jessica Parker movie. Straw Dogs. Uh, I usually don't cover re-releases, but I make an exception for this one. The Lion King 3D, which is a re-release with the 3D effect uh, for the animated movie. Uh, Dolphin Tale, uh, back when Taylor Lautner was relevant, uh, abduction. <laughs> I gave uh, Moneyball uh, um, a recommendation a few weeks ago, by the way. like I, uh, It's yeah. actually kind of funny that it matched up like that. Uh, but Moneyball, uh, Killer Elite, Machine Gun Preacher. What's Your Number, the Anna Ferris Chris Evans rom-com where she was like, her, her body count was high. Uh, then there was Dream House, uh, the, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Seth Rogen drama 50-50, and then Courageous. I don't know what that, what it, that is. Yeah, right I don't there. know what that one is either. I think the best one on here is Moneyball. Really? I thought Warrior was the best one on here. I, Warrior is my favorite one on here. I think yeah. that's my favorite movie just in terms of the badass fighting and yeah. shit. Tom Hardy was a badass. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, I, it was a good movie. I think that's my favorite. But I think in terms of just pure quality and not like my biased opinion, I think Moneyball is the best one. Yeah. But uh, Kevin and Hart then, laugh at my pain. I remember that one too. My bad. What was you saying? I was gonna say Moneyball. Uh, um, Jonah uh, Jonah Hill got yeah. nominated for the Oscar. Yep, yep. That was yeah. his first Oscar nomination, I yeah. believe. Yeah. So, and uh, Brad Pitt was great in that too. He kind of fell under the under the radar, but he was fantastic in that movie. But uh, yeah, so. And Drive, too. I love Drive. You know what I'm saying? Uh, drive. You know, I thought it was kind of overhyped. Really? In my opinion, because it was like slow and. Like, I guess that's the whole point of the movie is yeah, supposed to be point. slow and methodical, but right. just like... It's like a... See, what it is, is it's a it, character study. But they, they marketed it as an action movie. Yeah, but I think the fun aspect of it is it's a character study that they kind of found a way to make interesting dealing with him driving and shit. So, like, because a lot of times... Like what you're saying about like movies being boring, they be character studies. Like a lot of people yeah. find character studies kind of boring, and I felt like it was just yeah, a like unique... Superman Returns, for example. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I think I felt like they found a unique way of making a character study interesting. But I, I personally liked it. Yeah, and then the credits were forever because he's just driving. Oh away. yeah, yeah. And that's it, just like pointing yeah. the camera at him, and he's just like, <laughs> and I'm like, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. 
<laughs> so anyways, yeah, I have the, the Lion King 3D somewhere on that bookshelf right there. I bought the 3D Blu-ray. It's like the Diamond Edition. Oh, and, uh, shit. And I did play it in, in 3D back when like I have like a 3D TV and 3D Blu-ray player and stuff like that. You put the, the 3D glasses and it looked dope. But Man, I, I felt like the 3D TV was so underrated. That shit was so <laughs> cool, bro. It like, so, it's so awesome, but the only thing that only downside to 3D TVs is that they take away color because of the darker tint. On the glasses, uh, yeah. you lose out on like a color little bit of vibrancy. That color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you like sort of like have a dull red and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But other than that, I mean, it still looks good. Like yeah. some 3D can look really good. I was like, depending on how much money they put into it. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so yeah, uh, that's. I just remember Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star, was like a, such a trash ass movie. I think that the trailer was trash too. I don't know why that movie got greenlit, but it God did, damn. and it was kind of like all the we were all the worst for it. But anyways, also by the way, as a separate side note, I do want to say that September seems to be like a, a slow period in the box office. Uh, it seems it seems to be like yeah. dumping grounds for like uh, bad movies. Yeah, so yeah. we're it's not like going to get January and September kind of. Like. Yeah, <laughs> January, April, September. Yeah, yeah, those are like the bad months and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but anyways, oh yeah, you know what? Before we move on to the fifteen years, I remember Dolphin Tale. Um, I don't know if it was Dolphin Tale or Dolphin Tale Two. I don't remember which one it was. But Morgan Freeman was doing a press junket, and then one of the kid oh, they were they were uh, kids were interviewing the stars for the movie. And a kid asked Morgan Freeman, so why did you do this movie? And then he said, money. <laughs> <laughs> he was being real. Like, and I'm like, he was being real that's, shit. God that's damn. real as fuck yeah. when you're telling a kid money. Money. <laughs> like, don't do not do it for the art. Fuck it. Money. Like, he was being real shit. <laughs> that's what a lot of these, like, a lot, when you see these great actors Doing in this movies. garbage, yeah, like, you know, they just paid him a lot. And he said, I don't give a damn what the script is. Let's do it, you know. <laughs> So, 15 years ago, which brings us to September of 2006, The Wicker Man. That's, oh, I got something, I got, I got something to say about that one. And there was Crank, which I think we'll like, mention a little later on in the show. Uh, crossover, yeah, the, the, the cult movie, uh, a hit cult movie, which was not a hit in theaters, was Idiocracy. Um, Poor Man's Prestige, The Illusionist. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh, I think yeah, the prestige came out earlier that summer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Covenant, uh, Hollywood Land. Uh, I just mentioned Tony Jaa. You said you didn't know who Tony Jaa was. Uh -uh. Uh, he he did like Ongbek, the Thai warrior, and then another one of his movies was called The Protector. Oh, okay. Uh, it was back. He was like trying to be the next Jackie Chan. Uh, Gridiron Gang with The Rock, uh, Everybody's Hero. Uh, the Black Dahlia, which is kind of similar to Hollywood Land. I like the how like, they just came out so close to each other. They're both like uh. old Hollywood kind of noirish movies. Uh. Uh, the Last Kiss, Beer League, Jackass Number Two. This okay. Uh, James Franco, uh, The Flyboys, Jet Li's Fearless, All the King's Men, uh, the um, Selma Hayek and uh, Penelope Cruz movie ben Bandidas or Bandidas. Uh, the Oscar-winning uh, for Forrest Whitaker, The Last King of Scotland, Open Season, Ashton Kutcher and uh, Kevin Costner's The Guardian, uh, School for Scoundrels, and then I believe I don't know if she won the Oscar, but I know she was Oscar-nominated. Uh, Helen Mirren in The Queen. 
The Queen, yeah. Yeah, yeah so she yeah. might have won the Oscar that year. I don't remember. Though. I don't remember either, but I do remember her getting nominated for that. Yeah, so I got to say real quick, The Wicker Man, I just remember, like, Nicolas Cage's overacting. He's like, no, not the bees. Ah! Oh, it was so bad. And, like, it zoomed in on his mouth. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, bro. That's, like, one of them. Like, he, he put out a string of movies that just ended his career. That was one of them. Yes. Like, yeah. This is the beginning of the end of his career when yeah. he started – he was he was writing high. I think oh seven he did National Treasure, so he redeemed himself yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But like, but what, what, was that National Treasure two? two that was actually see, like nah, that. that was bad Not too. Bad. So that yeah, that, like one was I thought a, two was all right. Hell no, nah, one was amazing. Okay. Two sucked. When's the last <laughs> I used it? It was terrible, but I hated it. Okay, two. okay. But you, I do remember that this was the start of like the downhill yeah, where like yeah. Nicolas Cage was making trash movies, and it just and then like yeah. the, the movie, the twist was dumb. The movie was dumb. It was just like. Mm. The, like there was like the whole village was, was in on so it the whole time. Bad, man, like, was, like some cold it, shit. it made me wonder, like what the? But like he went from working with Scorsese, <laughs> working with like he was like making fantastic movies, and then like it's like he tried to end his career on purpose. Like that's how like some of these movies was so bad. But yeah, that was one of them for sure. But the Wicker Man, uh, I mean, people doesn't doesn't people don't some people go to bat for that movie or no? I mean, I, listen, it's one of those movies that's so bad it's good. You know, it's like The Room <laughs> in a way. You know what I'm saying? The Room has became a cult classic. This ain't on the level of The Room. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't disrespect The Room like that. But it, it's one of those movies that's just terrible, but you can have a lot of fun with it. It's To me, I can't even have a lot of fun with it. It's uh, just bad, but, you know. I just got to say, Crank, I remember, like, in, in Crank, it was like he... He had to keep his heart pumping. You got to be adrenaline. It's yeah. basically like speed, speed but with yeah. a human with the body. heart. Yeah, with the heart. Yeah. With the heart, yeah. And it was uh, a unique concept. It was a that. unique concept, and I, they're gonna do it in a, in a movie that's coming out on Netflix. I'm gonna talk about on new releases. Uh, I was gonna say, oh, it's Crank, uh, but I wanted to say like it was so ridiculous where he was like, oh shit, I'm not fighting any. There's no action, so he just takes a woman in like near him and just starts fucking him in public, and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> You remember that? You remember yeah, that I do remember that shit. They that were just shit was, fucking I was like, like, and everybody got surrounded, circled them, and started taking pictures. Yeah. <laughs> that shit was wild, bro. Like, seeing that in the theaters, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, that shit was wild, man. But uh, shout out to Jason Statham because he hasn't aged a day. Like, yeah, he looked the exact, exact same. same. That shit is weird. Like you got a you got a certain people in Hollywood that just don't ever age. Will Smith, one of them. Uh, Jason Thing, Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah, it's like what the fuck are y'all doing? Like, <laughs> and real talk, I think Idiocracy. I think that that movie is more relevant today than it ever was back then. I want to say, in in certain in certain aspects. I don't know if you remember that movie. Do you? No. You know which one that is? Uh-uh. Uh, basically, uh, Luke Wilson goes into the future with Maya Rudolph, and uh, Terry Crews is the president. Um, oh, shit. And basically, the whole world has just become stupid, like, because uh, everyone just... <laughs> basically, the they made it sound... They, make, they said in the, in the prologue that uh, stupid people were getting pregnant on purpose, on, on by accident, and then smart people were like holding off on having kids to the point where they never had kids. God and damn! So, like, the whole like population started like stopped drinking water. They started drinking Gatorade as water, and oh shit! Yeah, it was like dumb. It was like a dumb comedy. That's just fucking crazy. Uh, but yeah, I just say shout out to the Protector. I remember that movie, and uh, yeah, I don't really have much to say about any of the other movies. Do you have anything that you want to shout out? Uh, all the Kings, man. Great movie, one of the great. Which one is that one, by the way? I don't know that one. You you never seen All the King Men? It's like a throwback. I mean, not a throwback, but it takes place like back in. It's like a, a what's it called? A, a period piece. Okay. Or whatever, and it was it was a fantastic movie. I really enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? 
Okay. Well, let's yeah. see here. All the King's Men. I want to say, uh, if you look up the Oscar nominations, it did it did it did its numbers. You know oh shit! Sean Penn, Jude Law, Kate Winslet, James Gandolfini, Mark Ruffalo. God damn. Yeah, it was Anthony a, Hopkins. It was a fantastic movie, actually. Really good. Oh, shit. And uh, uh, the Queen. I I don't remember the Queen. I remember the Queen. I remember it. I I know I seen it. I just don't remember my experience watching it. But uh, I know that was good. But yeah. Okay. All right, cool, cool. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the 20-year mark. And this is, brings us to uh, September of 2001. And 9-11 uh, just happened in this, uh, during yeah, this time yeah, here. Uh, so, yeah, we're at the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, by the way, which is, like, crazy to think about this. But, it's crazy. Um, so Rockstar, Rockstar came out, The Musketeer. Uh, two can play at that game, which I think was a, a rom-com. Uh, Soul and Survivors came out pre 9-11 and then like I think 9-11 happened on a Tuesday and then on September 14th Hardball came out which is the Keanu Reeves movie mm. where he was like a coach for like a little league uh, baseball team uh, so did The Glass House and then the following after that was Glitter which is the Mariah Carey movie uh, Don't Say a Word uh, the Ben Stiller movie uh, Zoolander and then Hearts in Atlantis and I remember, like, uh, uh, people were, like, saying, oh, Hardball, uh, you know, flopped at the box office because 9-11 happened and nobody wanted to go to the theaters, mm. I, I guess. But, you know, uh, it is what it is. And I just remember, like, that was, like, one of those, like, hard times where, like, the where, uh, you know, it was, hard, it was hard to be in entertainment, like, whether you're putting on music. In general, and yeah. And movies or whatever, yeah. yeah, at that time because, like, you know, like, the whole you world You don't know what, what happened, yeah. The world just kind of stopped for a yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's really, it's really hard to talk about that, like uh, with like the the whole nine eleven. Yeah, thing. the whole nine eleven thing side of things, uh, I will say. But otherwise, I mean, this nine uh, eleven aside, like the only movie that really stands out to me was Zoolander. Oh, I would yeah, say. Zoolander, yeah. yeah. Um, and it had a sequel that came out years too late. That's just crazy. Like, didn't Zoolander 2 come out like 2010 or something like that? I think so. I'm like, God damn. It came out late as hell. But I remember laughing at it. I remember that movie being funny. Um, and like the whole, like the look, the 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 blue steel and all that stuff. And Yeah. Uh, damn, there were, there were some funny moments and stuff like that where like... Uh, he was like, "Oh, your hair's messed up," and he just like licks his fingers and just like does this. And then next thing you know, her like the next perfect. shot, just perfect. I'm like, "There's no way you did that with just That's like a funny. quick like little." Yeah. <laughs> it was it was like the funny shit though. Uh, but anyways, um, otherwise, did you have anything that you wanted to say about any of these any of these movies? Or nah. Uh uh, I haven't seen none of these. Uh, I remember watching The Glass House, uh, which was like, like a Lily Sobieski movie uh, back in uh, uh, when it was on Blockbuster. I didn't watch it in theaters. Uh, 25 years ago brings us to September of 1996. We got Bulletproof, uh, the Whoopi Goldberg movie Bogus with Haley Joel Osment, The Spitfire Grill, uh, Maximum Risk, Fly Away Home, which was Jeff Daniels and Anna Paquin back before she was Rogue, uh, The Rich Man's Wife, Feeling Minnesota. All, I, you know what? I'm going to say this. I completely forgot this movie existed, but this was a good action movie starring Bruce Willis called Last Man Standing. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it, never seen it. Dude, that was such a good movie. I watched it like on VHS a lot. Um, then there was The First Wives Club, Extreme Measures, Two Days in the Valley, The Glimmer Man, uh, and then D3, The Mighty Ducks, and That Thing You Do. So how many of these movies have you seen or heard of? 
None of them. I heard. Bullshit. Yeah, I haven't. I've I've uh I've heard of a lot of them, but I I feel like I seen D three the Mighty Ducks when I was a kid or something. Like that name sounds familiar, but yeah, well, I mean D two was the best one out of all of them. The, the yeah. Mighty Ducks. Yeah. That might have been one because I don't know which one. So my D two might have been the one I seen. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen any of these actually though. Damn. Oh man, Bogus was like uh, whenever like Haley Joel Osment had an imaginary kid, uh, friend. Played by Gerard, Dup- Gerard Depardieu. For real? Yeah. That's crazy. And so he had an imaginary friend, and he was trying to convince Whoopi Goldberg that he's real. And so finally, like, I guess Whoopi Goldberg didn't have imagination. Yeah. And so finally he saw him. Like, what the hell? That shit seemed kind of scary. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck? And she's yeah. like, we're freaking out. And, like, basically he's... Basically, as an imaginary friend, was trying to help Whoopi Goldberg to find her inner child to help better raise uh, Haley Joel. Osment. Literally, like what you explain could be a horror movie. Like, you, <laughs> like if you heard a synopsis and just heard you saying that, like someone would be like, "Damn, this shit's scary." Like, you know, they're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it was a kid movie. You know what I mean? Like that. It was supposed to be about her, like you know, being like you know, having able to play and have fun. It was really kind of fucked up. Actually, I will say this: the movie starts with uh, Haley Joel Osment living with his mom, and then his mom gets gets into a car accident. Like. God Boom, damn. Like, bam, up 18 wheeler just just T bones her. And they show it too. Like Shit, the, the, the car accident. Fuck. And so uh, so basically Whoopi Goldberg is the only person that can take him in. And so, <laughs> so that's just, it started off kind of fucked up. It is fucked up. Now that I think about it, it was a kid's movie. God damn. <laughs> it was uh but yeah. Uh I, I don't say just want to shout out to Last Man Standing again. And then also D3, the Mighty Ducks, uh, you know. I, I thought it was all right. Like, I think D2 was always going to be the best. But I will say, uh, in, in D3, uh, they did do this thing where they sort of, like, shit on D2. Where um, in, the, in D2, they had this move called the Flying V. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. But it's supposed to be where they're in this five-person uh, formation, like in a V. Uh-huh. And they're, like, going towards the goal. And it's supposed to be unstoppable. Yeah. But then in D2, they make it semi seem all badass. And they, like, did it and stuff like that. But in D three, when they did the flying V against this other team, they just shot on that move like that's how that, that's how it always go down in sequels though. They downplay some shit that was so amazing in the last <laughs> movie to make the stakes even higher. Like yeah, so. Uh, all right, thirty years ago, it brings us to September of nineteen ninety one, and let's see, we have Company Business, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which was not the final nightmare. That's what they always do. Uh, <laughs> late. Uh, late for dinner, live in large, necessary roughness, deceived, the Fisher King, and then apparently um, River Phoenix had two movies come out this year uh, in September called Dogfight and My Own Private Idaho. Rest in peace, River Phoenix. Rest uh, in peace, River Phoenix. Yeah. So that was um, having. How many of the movies have you heard of? Let's just say because I don't even. I know you haven't seen all these movies. I haven't even heard or seen none of these movies. <laughs> like this is crazy. I I never. I think out of all the when we go back and look at these, this might be the least I've seen uh, this whole generation of movies. Like it's crazy. Yeah. The early '90s. I think you weren't even born yet. No, I don't think. Yeah, but I mean, um, usually I still see like classic movies yeah. and shit, but I haven't even heard or seen none of these. Okay, and Dallas says that the update, uh, the title update didn't work on his end, but it is fixed now. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you. All right, so you know what? Let's just pull it up here because, like, I have not heard of uh, any of these uh, movies either. And, uh, well, I take that back. I have heard of them, but, like, they're not, like, I don't know. Let's see. Your company business started Gene Hackman. Uh, Freddy, uh, Freddy's Dead was obviously, you know, it is what it is. Living Large, don't know what, who those are. 
Yeah, you know what? This is uh, oh, necessary roughness. I will say I know who Scott Bakula is, and yes, this uh, this was like an action comedy and stuff like that. He was really big at this time. Uh, so yeah, and my own private Idaho. I want to say well, other than River Phoenix, it also had Keanu Reeves. Oh shit! And uh, I remember this and, uh, movie. And James Russo. This movie was like a drama, and it was one of like uh, River Phoenix is one of more, his more acclaimed roles. I remember. Mm. So yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Thirty-five years ago, we are okay. We are at. September of 1986, and this is I wasn't even 86. born yet. Uh, Avenging Force, Hard Bodies 2, Night Mother, The Men's Club, Where the River Runs Back. The only two titles I've actually seen, Crocodile Dundee and The Boy Who Could Fly. I think we talked about The Boy Who Could Fly on a previous episode of the podcast. I talked to you about it, where like he, he literally could fly, but it was they didn't reveal it until the very end of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. That was kind of recent. We yeah, talked about that. we talked that about it recently. I forgot, few, how, yeah. I forgot how it, uh, we brought it up in the, in, the, in the podcast, but we brought it up, and I talked, yeah. told you about the synopsis and what happened, and yeah. I spoiled the ending, but whatever. Uh, but I will say, I just found out that The Boy could, Who Could Fly it was a Fox movie, which means that maybe it might end up on Disney+. Plus. You know? Oh, shit. That's or unless it's already on Disney+. Maybe that's why I talked about it because maybe it was on Disney Plus. Um, uh, but have you seen uh, Crocodile Dundee? That's like that's probably the only big movie out of. I this. mean, I've heard of who Crocodile Dundee is, but I don't know. He I ain't know he had his own movie though. He like, had like five of them. He had really? sequels. They had a lot of sequels and stuff. I didn't know. Like, was it like that's him doing real? Li- was it him doing real shit or like like a mo- actual it's a scripted? Movie? Ac- oh, it's a really? scripted, like, oh shit! I know action. Something kind of thing. Oh shit! Uh, I'll pee to him, but I, I didn't. I didn't know he had movies and stuff. That's yeah, crazy. he's like, that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, we're we're. It feels like we're. Our, I will say that this is this is gonna be one of the hardest times to do uh, these anniversaries because it feels like right after like ten years we start scraping the bottom of the barrel. Real talk. <laughs> All right, the last one here because again the forty-five and the fifty years were kind of sus was uh, 40 years ago, which was still not even... We're still in the 80s 40 years ago, which is crazy to think about. Uh, September of 1981, there was Night School, Continental Divide, Raggedy Men, Mommy Dearest, Chariots of Fire, Fire, Carbon Copy, and True Confessions. Now, before I looked up these titles or whatever, I actually heard of one of these movies. True Confessions? No. Oh. I was going to give you a guess. Like, which movie have you heard of? True Confessions. Oh, shit. You heard of that one? Yeah. What is that one? I don't know. Look it up real quick. Because I I don't know. I I know that name, but I just don't know it off the dome. Okay. And the one I know is Carbon Copy. Uh, And Carbon Copy was was, uh, Denzel Washington's breakout role. Oh, really? Oh, shit. Yeah. And it was a race movie uh, where... So, uh, this rich, successful white businessman... Uh, and this is again. This is the early '80s, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he turns out he finds out he has an illegitimate son, and then it was Denzel Washington. The fuck. And then so he's like, you know, being reacquainted with the son, and like, you know, it's like a race thing. That's whatever. crazy. Like, and Denzel Washington don't Denzel Washington don't look mixed at all. He look like a straight <laughs> up black dude. Like, <laughs> he got a white look, daddy. Look, look uh, I'll show you the, the the title here. Like that's the that's the poster for. Oh shit! That for the, Denzel, look at that. <laughs> all fresh as fuck. That's crazy. I'm Forty years ago, God I'm damn. I'm gonna go back and watch that. See how the legend so, Denzel got his career started. When a rich white corporate executive finds out he has an illegitimate illegitimate black son, things start falling apart for him at home, at work. And in his social circle. 
No, that sounds good. So, yeah, there was that. Damn, it only made $9 million? Oh, shit. Uh, let's see. True Confessions. Robert De Niro, Robert Duvall, yeah, Charles Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's okay. the one I seen. Yeah. Uh, a worldly, ambitious monsieur clashes with his older brother, a cynical Los Angeles homicide detective who is investigating the brutal murder of a young prostitute. Fuck! Yeah, I seen that That's one. a rough-ass fucking thing. It was dark, too. Yeah. All right, shit. Okay, well, there it is. There's, there's, that's the 40-year mark. Uh, not going to lie, I'm a, I'm a little... Uh, uh, Upset by the lot, the sorry lot of movies. I mean, I was just a bit underwhelmed with this one, you know. But it's September, and you know, a lot of trash come out. And (laughs) you know, there's some shining stuff, but that's more recent. Recent, yeah. It's like like, contagion is relevant because of COVID and shit. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's almost like. September t- tried to make a comeback that, like in like five years ago, ten years. You could they making a comeback compared to forty years ago and all that in September because a lot of those movies I never even heard of from like thirty years ago and yeah. stuff like that. But like the closer we were to us, I you know I was like, oh, some good shit in there. Like, what's kind of crazy money is that, ball and all. That. What's kind of crazy is that like even in the five and ten years and stuff like these these are like I try to talk like wide releases yeah and it's surprised to see that i haven't heard of some of these movies like even yeah. the newer movies. even the new one yeah, yeah it's crazy. so i just want to say that that's just kind of interesting to, that i want to point out but but yeah there it's it's usually like on the box office in the summer ends and it sort of comes to a crawl yeah um it was like a situation where like i think it was like rob zombies halloween in 07 mm. was like the the highest opening uh, like labor day weekend which is like 20 something million yeah. we're gonna get into like with shang chi and stuff like that but it's yeah. only like just recently where like summer blockbuster season is trying to be year round yeah, yeah sort of so to speak yeah, because yeah. there's so many temples uh-huh. that in order to not keep, compete with each other they have to spread, spread out. it out yeah so yeah like i remember when we did the uh when we were uh guessing the summer movies and shit i'm guessing like all these movies <laughs> that i'm thinking you're like nope that's not the summer nope that's not <laughs> spread summer movies out all around you know i was gonna say the second week in october we're gonna revisit that prediction special because i want to give shang chi which was i allowed you to put that in your list yeah uh as a summer movie season uh i want that to like at least play in theaters for like the 45 day window and then we'll cut it off and then give the results as to how we did yeah on the predictions yeah uh but yeah that's it for the uh for the uh, the anniversaries, and we're gonna go ahead and move on to the impressions. I've only watched two things, and I'm pretty sure Troy, did you only watch the one thing? I just watched Shang Chi. Okay, so before we go into Shang Chi impressions, I wanted to go, go over What If. Uh, you did not. I told your ass to watch the episode two of What yeah, If. Yeah, I still haven't watched it yet. God damn it. Okay, uh, so. My bad. I'm sorry. I'm on YouTube. <laughs> I'm not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain. Anyways, uh, what if is uh, the, I'm not. I guess I'll keep it short and sweet here for what if. The uh, episode was about Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Okay. Okay. It was the Doctor Strange episode, and it was uh, how do I put this? It was dark, and it was a very interesting study, character study for the the stages of grief. You know, like the is it the five stages of grief? Five like denial, stages. Yeah, yeah. Like bargaining, ego, or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they basically did one of those kind of stories, and people are already speculating, like fan theories, is that this episode may have something to do with uh, Spider-Man. Uh, 
multiverse of madness. Oh, okay. People yeah. were saying that he, what if you know this? He's going to be one of the villains. Like, what if? Because uh, he basically becomes a dark, dark Doctor Strange. I mean, it ties in with I, I've seen uh, theories about it tying in with Spider Man um, Far From Home because you notice if you watch the Spider Man Far From Home trailer, it's Doctor Strange in one of the scenes where he's like fighting Spider Man. He has on black. Yeah. And then like when he's in his normal shit, it's like you know his it's normal blue. Yeah. blue. Yeah. yeah. So like some people are thinking like it's an evil version of Doctor Strange or like there's or, a possibility or he's a fake version of strange or something like that there's a possibility and uh yeah there's um how do i put this um hmm how was i gonna say that there's a possibility that he may cross over into the regular mcu but for now that's it's you know it's up it's up for debate but basically the the what if was what if uh um dr strange loses his heart instead of his hands Mm. so instead of uh his hands getting all messed up in the car wreck uh, Christine Palmer was in the car with them, and and then she dies, mm. uh, which is like Rachel McAdams' character. Yeah. And so basically, uh, he ba- he's basically like uh, obsessing over trying to bring her back to life. Um, and do you remember that old movie from the two thousands called The Time Machine? It was a book that yeah. was turned into a movie. Yeah, I remember that movie. And in the in the in the book or in the movie. Uh, he builds that time machine. He travels back into the time to save his wife mm. from that accident. Yeah. But every time he saved that wife, a he different accident. Something. Yeah. No, yeah. no. It didn't start something. A different accident would take its place and yeah, she would that, still die. That's what I meant. Like, yeah, yeah it was starting a, a new version of a car wreck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she kept dying. No matter how many times he traveled back in time, he could not save her. And that's yeah. kind of what he yeah. happened here. Yeah. So... Uh, I guess a minor spoiler, but there's more to it at play than there's, than I'm letting on, obviously. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, it was it was interesting. Like I said, it reminded me of that. It had a lot of like uh, a lot of elements, uh, especially like the stages of grief and how it ended was just like damn. Uh, this shit was like was was like raw as hell. So I, I do encourage you to watch uh, uh, the What If as well, by the way. Or if you're gonna at least at least maybe uh, wait till the finale, I guess if you want to binge them all. Yeah, uh, but that's anyways. probably what I might end up doing. Anyways, with all that out of the way, we'll go ahead and get to the actual big, the big thing here. Uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings came out, and that was the big release, and that's yeah. the thing that I watched. Troy watched it. Um, I will say that I had a big, I had watched it in the big screen. I went to the movie theater. I was in the big theater, like and just, that cinema, that cinema, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that action, the 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 bass, everything. So. I had like the perfect seat. Like I bought when I bought the seat, like I bought my tickets on Friday and uh, I went to watch it on Sunday. And so when I bought my tickets for Sunday, I had my pick of uh, a seat. There was not a ticket sold, so I got to pick the the perfect perfect seat seat, right in the middle. So let me ask you something. You went to the theater, like you know, you've been watching all your shit at home and all that. Mm -hmm. Have you like? Being back in the theater, seeing this blockbuster in the theater, do you feel like you were able to replicate that with your watching at home, or is it just something different? Yeah, I can't replicate it. I think when watching at home, you're easily distracted. Mm. Uh, the yeah. idea that you can just pause the movie to go pee real quick, or yeah, yeah. you're like, you know, I don't know. I can I can do I can do 4K TV like big screen. I can do the yeah. the the, 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 the sound. couch. Yeah, yeah. I can do the sound bar surround yeah. sound. I can do all that, but I just can't be. Fully immersed. immersed. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, there's true. something about that going yes, to the sir. theaters that just sort of brings it's you just into just different. That. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah. So I will say that. But as far as the the movie itself, uh, you know what? 
I ha- I don't want to go first here. I w- I'll go ahead and let you go first. Okay, okay. Uh, I like the movie. You know, it was a good movie, fun movie. I think um, Aquafina, she stood out as just being like she was supposed to be that charismatic kind of uh, fun, you know, funny spark that the movie need. Uh, she and she was fun to me. I really liked her character. Um, I think all the main characters for the main roles they brought it. Uh, the one thing this movie needed to be, it, it needed to have that action because, like, you're dealing with that jujitsu, all that fighting, you know, Jackie mm-hmm. Chan esque type stuff going well, down. Jackie Chan's fight choreography was was perfect, right? Them, yeah. So that you know, and if you're gonna do that, you can't drop the ball on that element. And yeah. I feel like they didn't drop the ball on that element. They it really did feel like some dope ass kung fu movies and shit back in the in the gap. And actually, my favorite fight scene is the beginning. I'm not gonna yeah. say what, but to me, like the first like the uh, fight scene between the dad and mom. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, that shit was just to me the dopest fight scene in the entire movie. Like, was, were there people giggling in the movie theater? Uh, there were are there were people giggling at my movie theater when they saw that. Scene? Not uh, not really. I mean, kind of when they would do the slow motion part and then <laughs> like you know, but you know, it but it was like uh, I guess minor spoilers, but flirt fighting. Yeah, flirt fighting flirt or whatever. Fighting and I gotta say, I hate that. I ain't gonna lie, I hate that in movies. I, what, you uh, hate I hate that in movies. It's like the idea of like we're fighting, but ooh, I let like <laughs> oh my god, I hate that shit so fucking much. But that being said, as much as I hate that, I did admit like yeah, it worked in this just yeah. a fight. Course. Choreography and she's just such a bad motherfucker. Like they think he got ten rings. That's gonna mean something, no, bro. <laughs> like not with her. So it was that shit was fun. But I, I mean, so I enjoyed it. I really did. I think everyone brought it. Um, I don't think this is a great like one of the great Marvel. Okay, movies. thank you. I don't thank think you. I'm not putting this with Winter is Soldier. It top five? Top I, it's not top yeah. five. Top ten. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say top ten, but I gotta think about that because I mean I don't even think top ten. Yeah, I don't think I put it in the top ten. I people think, were saying reviewers are saying top three. By the way, nah, hell no, yeah. it definitely ain't top five for sure. I don't like you. I don't think it's top ten. Um, I do think uh, the movie had a bunch of just cliche moments. I think the the ending just to me was just too much. Like it, like it, it just was dragging on t- like too much. And just they checked the skip the the scope. They just trying to make the spectacle just bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they think you know you got a bunch of shit going on. Where I'm like they could have scaled it down. Maybe save some of that for the sequel. You know, seeing certain some of the big shit flying around like that for the sequel. Um, <coughs> And so, yeah, and it was just a couple of things that I just felt like uh, I've seen a million times. Uh, and a few things I just felt like wasn't believable. Like, like one of the things people are going to disagree with me at, and no spoilers, but the the uh, a lot of people are going to like the bus sequence. Like, yeah. the, with the bus sequence. Me, I felt like that drug on too long, and I <laughs> felt like it was just fake. I mean, it just, I didn't buy it. I'm like, like, come on, bro. Like, you know when you watch certain movies, and you're like, Come on, really? <laughs> like, oh, really? Like, that's that's one of those moments where I'm like, really? Like, he beat the shit out of people. They get right back up after a while, and then, but so you know, again, fun movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think this is bad whatsoever. Um, but it's not a top five, top ten Marvel movie for me. I don't think it's a great like. Oh man, this one of the great comic book movies. I don't think that's the case, but it is fine. Yeah, I honestly was gonna give it like a mediocre kind of. Review and that surprises me right now. I'm shocked. I thought you was gonna come in here like I was ra- actually. I, I didn't want to go first because like I wanted. I was thinking you were gonna go high. Mm. 
I thought you were going to go high. And I'm going to say, I was telling my, my friend Daniel when we were talking on the phone the other day, I said, I don't have anything bad to say about it, but I don't have anything good to say about it either. Mm. I think it's sort of so so. You're just right in the middle. I'm in the middle. Like, I would That's say, where I'm at. That's where I'm at. With I would it. say at the worst, low end five, on the high end seven. So I would split the difference, say six. Yeah. Uh, That's where I'm at with it. Uh, so, like, on a good day, I would feel seven. On a bad day, I would feel five. But overall, I would average at six because here's the thing. It's a it's a sort of by the numbers uh, Marvel movie. Right, that's the thing, man. That's the thing. It's, it's a Marvel, by it's, the numbers. It's by the numbers. I've seen this Marvel movie before, yeah. but you have an Asian coat of paint on it. Right, that's exactly what it is. It you know it's it's like what we've always got, but Asians. Yeah, you know, just yeah. to make it feel uh you know, and uh, that and to me, I you know. One of the things this movie is going to get compared to a lot is Black Panther. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And one thing about Black Panther, to me, I felt like it wasn't paint by numbers with Black yeah. Panther. It yeah. was things about that movie that felt different from the other Marvel movies, but felt still like a Marvel movie, yes. you know? Whereas this one, I felt like, again, just like the cliches, same beats, cliches, cliches things yeah. happening, certain characters showing up just because, just to say, like, look, this is Marvel, like, yeah. you know, and things like that. So I, I agree. Yeah, so I, I I was I was wanting more from this movie, and I also kind of say I kind of hate identity politics. I want to say <laughs> like the whole the whole thing about like Simu Liu is like you know talking about oh, but fuck Bob Chapek, you know we're not an experiment, you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> like he made it about identity politics when he wasn't even commenting about the Asian aspect. He was commenting about the forty five day yeah, window. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah. That's why I, I remember, I remember saying getting, yeah. I remember saying like I I don't like Bob Chapek that much so far, but damn, I I gotta agree with him on this <laughs> shit. Like y'all overdoing it, man. Like, yeah, he was just like he gets in his feels too much and like uh, I think he like tweeted like a, a thing about like all the, uh, the people were giving bad thumbnails and he said he just put a caption LOL like Simu Lu yeah. posted on his Instagram that's kind of petty yeah yeah for number one I mean uh, who cares like yeah like who who cares especially for this movie where it's getting mostly positive stuff so it's yeah. like for you to look at some of the bad stuff and point it out that means you're being ultra like sensitive yeah exactly so I'm not a fan of uh, I'm not a fan of Simu Lu's uh, off screen antics but as far as He's got charm on screen, and yeah. I can see why they cast him. Yeah. I think uh, people were like saying that he doesn't have uh, uh, chemistry with Aquafina. I think he does. I think he does uh, too. I don't think it's. I don't think it's jaw dropping chemistry. Yeah. You know, but it's, I don't. It's not like Pepper Potts and Tony Stark. Chemistry. Right, but see, one of the things I think but, people are getting a misconception, and one of the things I liked about this movie is like they didn't try to force like we're in love. Yeah. Like if it, they're friends, and it's like a possibility of a spark being there between them, but they're not. That they didn't go for that. Yeah. You know where most. Most Marvel movies or most movies in general, at some point they're gonna kiss and like I love you. They're gonna, and, oh, they're and, gonna fall in love during the movie. Movie, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they didn't go for that, and so I think that's kind of making people feel like, oh wait, you know, since they're not used to it, it's like, ah, that chemistry was off. But I actually did like the chemistry, and I like the fact that they didn't actually go for the like, oh, we're in love kind of thing. So yeah, uh, so there's that, and also just like. Um, in general, like this movie was like three movies in one. Like each act was right, a movie, and right. like the third act was like a fantasy. Mm -hmm. The the second act was like a an like a street espionage kind of thing. Yeah. And the first act was kind of like a rom com. Yeah. It was of. like all over the place. It was a little like tone tonally it was all over the place, and yeah. then also like just in general, like I had I have like ideas that what you can do with Shang Chi, you can make Marvels Enter the Dragon. You can make mm -hmm. Marvel's The Raid. Yeah. Um, you can uh, make any sort of like 
insert like iconic Marvel's crouching tiger and hidden dragon. dragon. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and that's why I agree with you so much on that because that's what I was hoping for. Like I was hoping that we would get a true kung fu movie. Yeah. With the Marvel, you know, kind of feel to it. But I really feel like this is just a straight up. Marvel movie. There's nothing <laughs> other than like them. Of course, the certain martial arts styles. Which they were good. In, the as the the as the movie progressed, it got worse. Yeah, it did. It started they to feel of, less they, and less like they they had like their best choreography like on the bus, and then their second best choreography on the skyscraper. Yeah. And then by the time you get to the end, you got CGI. Yeah. And yeah, it's like yeah. There's no contact. There's no. Uh-huh. It's just. You know, you, these actors are like green screens just dancing around. I felt like they started to try to make it like Dragon Ball Z. Like, <laughs> literally, they're... <laughs> like, I'm like, and then, like, on. the dust particles. Yeah, and, everything. and I'm like, like come yeah. on, bro. Like, that's hand-to-hand, right-up combat as, was so good yeah. when they was doing that. As a matter of fact, I would have preferred that because, yeah. especially, uh, because, if you know, if you guys know the trailers, the marketing, the, his dad is the uh, is the villain, mm. and it would have been a very personal, like, Luke Vader. Fight. yeah. Luke Skywalker type of fight. Darth, yeah, yeah. Darth Vader fight. I want a personal, intimate, like the stakes are real because it's you know, it's so centralized. Yeah. I agree. Instead, like they got away from it in that third act and sort of lost focus. Yeah, I agree. And the thing about it is, um, I really the the thing that I think really would have helped this movie is like I wish Shang Chi had an accent like he had his <laughs> like I didn't really like his American accent like to me that was like it felt like because first of all it didn't make sense for the story like he goes to America at like fourteen yeah he's like twenty four in the movie it's yeah. like damn you completely lost your accent even Bruce Lee had an accent still for a long time <laughs> like I just like I don't know like I could understand Aquafina not having an accent because she's from America yeah. she's an American you know. Yeah. But I just felt like something that would have made the essence of what the movie could like it would make the essence of their culture feel like stand out. If he had a little bit of an accent, if he wasn't just straight up an American, like that's what it was to me. Like he was just an American guy. Well, you know what I'm saying. And uh, I just wish they that that is something that, like a little nitpick thing yeah. that I felt like attention to detail. Yeah. Attention to detail. Yeah. yeah. Like because if you paying attention to the story of someone, like when they first showed it, I thought when he, I mean, when the movie first Hell, happened, even like, the little kid actor had no her Chinese accent. Uh, yeah. When he was talking, he was like, you've been practicing your English, right? Oh yes, father. I have to. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I'm man. I'm like, no, I'm okay. real talk, okay. bro. Like, it's, that's the stuff I meant. Like, when you watch, like, Black Panther, they all got accents. Yeah. They're all we'll like, yeah. yeah, you know, and it's just like, at first, I thought he moved younger. Like, he moved, came to America at, like, eight or something. Yeah. Then I could have maybe understand. But then when I found out the dude's, like, already in his teens, and he's still a young man in this movie, mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? He just got a full American accent that quick. So, I mean, just little things like that. I just felt like it wasn't as great as it. it I, I feel like it didn't reach its potential. Yes. I liked the movie, but it didn't reach its potential. Yes. I, I, I compare it to uh, Black Widow, where I was like, I like Black Widow, but I didn't jump off the sheet. She's like, oh my God, Black Widow. Yeah. That's how I feel about this. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to say this. I will give it a recommend. Uh, to go yeah. Oh yeah, days. for sure, for sure. Um, it's like it's like a the theater experience is gonna elevate it yeah. in my opinion. Like, Absolutely. and I think you're you're better off having watched it in the theater, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, I think when it comes in Disney Plus in mid October in 45 days, it's uh, it's gonna lose its value. I yeah, say. I, I think, think so. Yeah, so. I think so. I think the movie theater. You, I think it's best to see this in theaters because once this like goes to Disney Plus or wherever it goes, I think when you watch it, then I think. 
you're going to see a big dip in quality because like movies like this, the spectacle and the scope can make it feel better than what it is. Yeah. And then when you watch it on normal television with normal, you say, ah, this ain't as fun as I thought it was. So see it now where you're going to enjoy the max version of it. You know? Oh yeah. I just want to say like, I'm a little, I'm a little upset that they didn't bring in Fin Fang Foom. Uh, Uh, Yeah. He's a dragon guy, but I think he'll do it in the sequel. I'm yeah. also upset that uh, they made Razor Fist a, be- a bigger character than he was in the comics. And then and one also, thing, I, that, oh. that's one thing, because Razor Fist was the dude with, with the, the... Hell yeah. That's another thing I didn't understand, just in terms of making sense. Why is a white guy, like, <laughs> the head of your shit? Like, they don't second even... Second in command or whatever. Yeah, yeah, second in command. I'm like, what the fuck? That didn't make sense to me. Like, if he was just a badass that they just had as a bodyguard or something like that, it would have made more sense. But literally, your second in command is an American? Like, I, I just didn't... I can't see the dad going to recruit an American. And, like, I, I don't know. That's one of the things that... Like, those little details to me... Well, I mean, they had Death Dealer. Death Dealer was the guy with the face paint and mask, whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He was a bad motherfucker. Death Dealer, he didn't speak, but I don't like what they did with him at the end. I'm going to just say that. Yeah, no, yeah, but, facts. But, but he was a badass, though. I will say. I love his look. There was a fight uh, in the uh, somewhere in the middle of the movie between Death Dealer and Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. <sighs> I wanted that fight. Give me, like, two more minutes of that fight. Yeah, I needed that, it to be a little longer. That fight it was, was too fucking bad. Short. But short. And then, but also, yeah. not only was it too short, like, I just wish all the fights was like that. <laughs> it wasn't about, like, the superpowers and bing and all this other goofy shit. It was like, they, uh, uh clean ass like the raid I want the raid yeah Yeah, (laughs) man like damn but but that being said back to my point real fast I just didn't like the idea of them just because to me that's like a little minor detail when you're writing the script like I felt like you think about that kind of stuff like when I was talking about the accent you think about that kind of stuff you think about you know okay would this character have hired a white guy from America to run his foreign you know uh operations operation it just didn't seem right to me so things like that i just i don't know if that was like a uh uh more of a corporate kind of thing like we need some kind of american in here somewhere or i don't know but stuff like that you know i i and it's not one famous anyways (laughs) yeah right so uh, i don't know i would say death dealer was overhyped by the way from the trailers so just gonna throw that out there i think there was more of a point that Death he Dealer. looks so fucking cool. I, I just know, wish he, he was. Cool. I wish he was like the main villain or yeah, something. No, yeah, like, exactly. He was so exactly fucking what I was dope, saying. bro. Like wasted potential with Death Yeah, Dealer. man. And the thing about it is, like, it don't take much to be a badass. Like he didn't talk that much. Yeah. But he was so badass for the little bit of time that he had. And also, know? like, just in general, like, if you think about it, Death Dealer was the one that trained Shang Chi personally. Yeah, personally, and yeah. so therefore, it would have made a more better sense yeah. for there to be like a some kind of like a rivalry or yeah, some kind something of, like, between them two. Yeah. yeah. Something that you could have paid off. <sighs> well, anyways, yeah, I guess I'm a little frustrated with the movie, but like I said, I wanted more from the movie, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I think it was, uh, I think it was good enough, and uh, sometimes I guess with Marvel, that's not enough. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, so, yeah, right. yeah, good enough isn't good enough for sure. All right, well, go ahead and move on to the news, if I can find there. Okay. Special report. Couldn't find the sound effect there for a second, but we're gonna go ahead and move on to the actual news news of the of the show here. We have three news items, and one of them is basically a topic of the show in disguise, since we're not having a topic of the show uh, today. The first one is: Will uh, Eternals uh, get pushed back? So it says Marvel's Shang Chi crushed the box office expectation. 
But will that convince Disney to keep Eternals in theaters? Uh, all right. It says, uh, prior to the debut of Marvel Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Disney CEO Bob Chapek called its old-school theatrical release an interesting experiment. Talking about the 45-day <laughs> window. Uh, the experiment in question, would enough, would enough people show up in their local multiplex to see the latest Marvel movie to justify keeping the $200 million budgeted film in theaters without, imme- without an immediate backstop on Disney Plus? Overall, ticket sales have been depressed in the pandemic, and the studio's superhero installments typically open to more than $100 million in non-COVID times. This weekend's box office tallies revealed that, yes, even with the Delta variant raging, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings could deliver more, um, could deliver movie theaters a much-needed jolt. The 25th entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe had a bigger debut than the studio initially reported, collecting a mighty $94.4 million over the four-day Labor Day holiday weekend. Uh, tracking it indicated the three-day total to be around $50 million uh, before the opening, but the movie's better-than-expected start. It made $75.5 million over the, th- the traditional three-day weekend. Um, offers Disney and cinema, oh, cinema owners alike a boost of confidence in audiences' loyalty to the big screen, even as the studio moves aggressively into streaming spaces. Making its debut more impressive, Labor Day is typically a slow weekend at the box office, as families opt to spend time outside before summer ends. Shang-Chi smashed holiday weekend records previously set previously set by 2007's Halloween with $30.6 million. Marvel has set a, quote, Marvel has set a remarkable standard for itself, and the opening is just below average for a Marvel series launch, says David A. Gross, who runs the movie's consulting uh, firm, uh, Franchise Entertainment Research. Under normal con- uh, conditions, Marvel would not have launched on Labor Day weekend, and the opening would have been bigger. Uh, Shang-Chi didn't only establish a new high watermark for Labor Day, it landed the second best opening weekend of the pandemic behind Black Widow, which had $80 million in its first three days. However, Black Widow wasn't only available in theaters, it was also uh, on Disney+, Plus, which generated $60 million in its inaugural weekend, and uh, in addition to the box office hall. It has since made at least $125 million from streaming rentals. Uh, Does that tell Disney that Shang-Chi and other Marvel properties could stand to gross even more money with uh, day-and-date releases on Disney+, Plus, or would people turn turn out in greater numbers to watch the studio's uh, latest superhero er entry on the big screen if they didn't have the option to watch it on the couch? So that's what I was going to ask you about, Troy, uh, because Black Widow opened uh, with Disney Plus premiere access on top Mm. of the, the, the... Theatrical release. Theatrical, yeah. And it made more money mm-hmm. than Shang-Chi. What, uh, what? So Shang-Chi made $75 million in its opening three days. Yeah. 80, uh, Black Widow made $80 million in its opening three days right. with streaming yeah. as, a, as a co-option. Yeah. So my question to you is, why? Well, I mean, listen, first of all, like, $80 million, it's not, I always say, first, a uh, couple things. Number one, the, the, it's, uh, the opening weekend is is it's about after the opening weekend. Yeah. It's about you know, you had an opening weekend, you want to do good that opening weekend and that's the most important weekend. Yeah. But it's about that next weekend to really see if you're going to make money. If that if it's like Just a high drop. Yeah, yeah, it's that high drop. So the thing about this is Black Widow is a bigger name. Black, everybody knows Black Widow. She's been in about eight films before that. I always say if Disney Plus wasn't 
doing the day and day thing, Black Widow would have been a huge hit even then. Like even now, it would have been like one of the Marvel's big hits. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, that that dropped. I think it opening on uh, with Disney Plus like tanked. I mean, hurt the box office compared to what it could have been. And then after that, you seen the huge drop that next month. Now see with this, this to me, even though it made a bit less, yeah. to me this is more successful because it made this kind of money. Uh, as a uh, uh, a quote unquote unknown character, mm -hmm. and then it made all of this um, in the um, box office without no day and date, so it's going to have better legs. That's I already know for a fact. Like yeah. the next weekend is not going to be as big of a drop as Black like Widow's whatever. drop, and so whatever this movie makes in this forty five day whatever, then you put it on uh, Disney Plus, and it do the number like uh, well, I'm sure they're not going to charge you, but yeah. at least going to get those views that. Uh, Black Widow guy, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So to me, it, this was a much smarter move. Like the money this made, ninety some whatever some million dollars over the four day weekend. Yeah. Like that's because they didn't put it on Disney Plus. If they put it on Disney Plus, we would have been looking at a fifty million what they projected, the, what the actual projections, or maybe a little bit smaller, like forty five million, if they would have put this on Disney Plus. So. The, the, again, you always to me you compare the uh, the the value of the movie that they're making mixed with you know whether or not they use the streaming service bullshit. You see what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? And so as long as these studios realize that putting something out on on a streaming service on the same day you release it is a dumb idea. The sooner like these you know big corporations realize that, the better they'll realize and the quicker they'll realize they'll make their real money when they do it like that. So uh, I think if anything, this made Disney very happy. Like oh shit, we don't need to put nothing else on uh, Disney, Plus. Disney Plus opening day because I think this right here has proved it to them. <laughs> like so yeah, the, the article agrees with you. So the article was asking the question is like. Is Marvel going to do the same with Eternals? Are they going to do the 45-day uh, exclusive theatrical window? Or are they going to do Black Widow and Cruella and Jungle Cruise where it premieres simultaneously on Disney Plus? And it says here that Eric Handler, a Wall Street analyst for NKM Partners, estimates that Shang-Chi needed to make at least $70 million in its first four, first four days to satisfy Disney and encourage the studio to nix a hybrid release for Eternals. So basically he's saying that because it pulled up that money that it did, that Disney would probably know to go ahead with the uh, Eternals theatrical yeah. exclusive, exclusive window. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, it's uh, this uh, this article is much longer than I thought it was going to be, but basically, it sort of goes over a lot of analytics and a lot of uh, uh, it's got a little chart here. They can tell you see the uh, pandemic opening weekends here for like big big names. So Black Widow is at the top of the heap for $80 million, and then it had a 67% drop for the second weekend. Jesus. Jungle Cruise had $35 million. And that's million. historic, by the way. 67, that's historic. That's drop. like the second or third high second lowest. Second or third, or yeah. high, whatever, for the uh, for a Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh, so Jungle Cruise did 54% drop. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong had a 56% drop. Space Jam 2 had a 69. Holy crap, the Suicide Squad, 71%. <laughs> Christ, that shit crazy. <laughs> These man. are like high And then was what what makes drops. it worse is like so you look at something like Suicide Squad it only made twenty six million and still had a seventy percent drop. <laughs> like at least like Black Widow, it made eighty M's and then made a drop. Like so, it made a big chunk and yeah. then made a drop. Like some of these movies, Space Jam, thirty one million, seventy percent drop. Like like yeah. these movies are tanking 
very, very bad. Like, there's no way, even if this was in normal, whatever you think of those movies, if this was in normal days and they try to drop those movies in theaters, they wouldn't have tanked this bad. They're taking that bad because of, uh, I mean, partially, of course. Well, the, yeah. the, so all of these on this chart right here are hybrid releases. These all came out in theaters and on streaming services. And on streaming services, yeah. This chart is only theatrical exclusive stuff. So it looks like you see a lot of like like Free Guy 34%, which is obviously like the lowest of the summer, but like there's some 67% for F9 and 69% for Demon Slayer, but like uh, overall you tend to see them like more uh, normal, like 40-50% yeah, yeah, yeah. than anything. I mean, and, and Fast and Furious don't surprise me only because that movie was so bad, you know? <laughs> like sometimes movies have, even before the pandemic, some movies that have big drops because the movie's bad. People are excited about it, but the movie's bad and then that word of mouth comes around. A lot of people don't see it that much after the fact, but yeah, man, that, 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 uh, you see the difference. It just, it don't make sense to me to put it out on, uh, straight to streaming services. But when I'm looking at the charts here, like when I'm looking at these like top fives and then this top five, it doesn't seem like going on streaming hurts the opening weekend. I would say it probably hurts the legs more than it hurts the weekend opening weekend. Well, yeah, yeah. That I mean, it, it, it doesn't. I think it doesn't hurt the opening weekend as much. But it's not really about the opening weekend as the, much, right? Like you look at Black Widow, it made eighty million. Like yeah. in theory, you say, "Damn, that's good," right? Yeah. You know. Then after that, you know, what I'm saying a lot of people ain't gonna go rewatch it. Yeah. So it's hurting the it's hurting the opening weekend a little bit. Like maybe it'll make like five or ten more million. But it's, it's opening. But, it's hurting the gross. But it's hurting right? exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, so. Interesting stuff there. So I I expect I expect this uh, experiment, as Bob Chapek likes to say, I expect the experiment to be successful, and I expect Eternals to be uh, theatrically exclusive. We'll keep an eye on that in case that does change. Uh, we'll always talk about all the Marvel news and stuff like that. So we'll go ahead and uh, keep it moving here. But by the way, ninety four mil ninety four million dollars for a four day weekend. That's uh, that's pretty, that's pretty dope. good. Yeah, hell yeah. All right, so we'll go ahead and move it on to the. This is like a bit of a um, a topic of the show in disguise. Patty Jenkins makes it one good point about where streaming platforms fail. This comes from Screen Rant, and it says here that uh, filmmaker Patty Jenkins' recent comments referring to streaming services. Oh, sorry, streaming service exclusive films as fake movies underline how uh, streaming platforms fail to adequately adequately promote their content we made a a, a a comment early on like early in the life cycle of this podcast we talked about how damn netflix doesn't be like promoting their movies yeah. they just drop them yeah, yeah you know what i mean so that's interesting uh during a panel at cinemacon discuss, uh, discussing the future of cinema Jenkins spoke about the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on film studios dilemma between theaters and stream streaming platforms on the lesson promotion of streaming exclusives, Jenkins remarked, quote, all of the films that streaming services are putting out, I'm sorry, they look like fake movies to me. I don't hear about them. I don't read about them. It's not a working as a model for establishing legendary greatness. That's her quote right there. The, meteor the meteoric rise of streaming services in the film industry has taken a different turn since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic in early 2020. Jenkins' Wonder Woman 1984 was the first of many blockbusters released under a hybrid same-day streaming, streaming model, a decision the director labeled as, quote, a heartbreaking experience and hugely detrimental to the movie. Soon after, Warner Brothers committed to the entire 2021 slate, which we all know about that. But basically, yeah, that's kind of sort of like uh, the story was that was that remark. Mm. It's uh, I, I kind of want to read into that about all the films that are on streaming services that are putting out. I'm sorry, they look like fake movies to me. So 
I've seen many inter- interpretations of it, but when you hear these words, what do you think she's referring to, and do you think she could have awarded it a little bit more directly? Uh, I listen. What she's saying, because here's the thing. <clears throat> What she mean by like they look like fake movies is basically like if you don't promote it and then the movie is also bad, it seems as if y'all don't care about the the culture of movies. Like yeah. y'all don't care about trying to make something memorable and everlasting. The whole reason why we could start each month doing the uh the uh the Back to the Future. Yeah. Which by the way, now that I think about it, holy shit, what about do Back to the Future five years from now? Yeah, yeah, God, yeah, yeah, right. Movies are not gonna, they're right. gonna be streaming. They go straight to Netflix, and that, and that's what she's talking about. Holy like, shit. that, that's, that's what she, that, yeah. that's basically what she meaning. Yeah. Like, there's nothing about it that's gonna be rememberable if it's just a bunch of movies just dropping on there and they're not promoted. There's not meant to be remembered. There's not meant to be a spectacle aspect to it. Uh, it's just there, you know. And uh, I think that's the main thing. You know, they're they're just dropping it, and it makes it feel like your movie is just piled in with a bunch of other crap instead of like oh one of the movies in theaters that we need to see or yeah. or even if you know because Netflix is the thing it's been a couple movies that Netflix actually promoted yeah. and it did well and like you'll watch it and it could go down as part like even Zack Snyder's movie that just came out the the the, the zombie movie yeah. a lot of people were talking about that it had buzz it had trailers it had and you know it didn't feel as much of a, just a random Netflix movie that you just happened to see and was like oh I didn't know this was made you know that is what she's talking about that's what she means and uh, the army more, of the dead, that's yeah, army of the dead, yeah. you know, and so that that's basically what she's saying, you know, that like it's gonna be harder for us to s- distinguish. Oh man, I remember when that dropped. Remember that? Yeah. We're not like not when it's just on Netflix. You yeah. know what I mean? So. I, I was gonna say like my interpretation of the uh, of her her quote is saying that um, movies that str- that go straight to streaming don't have like the cultural zeitgeist that them. A theatrical movie right, does. Right. There isn't like a, a thing where the conversation goes on for like a long time. Right. That like people talk about it for uh for like the hot 15, 15 seconds of fame. Yeah. Not even minutes, seconds, and yeah. then they just move on to the next. Go thing. away. Yeah. It doesn't like so like for instance, uh, what was that uh, Chicago? The, 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 the Trials of Chicago Seven. Yeah. Which I yeah say, didn't yeah. that movie go straight to Netflix? Yeah, I think so. So like nobody talks about that movie. Yeah. Nobody talks about Marriage Story. Yeah. Nobody talks about Roma. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like right, right. these are movies that are like good movies. The Irishman even kind of sort of gets buried in my a opinion. A little bit, but uh, like, that's probably got that's the, the most. That's the only one that's like yeah. Yeah, maybe an exception. Yeah. But like yeah. even then, like as far as film fans goes, if a movie doesn't go to have a theatrical window or a theatrical exclusive, yeah. like there isn't like this thing where it's like everyone sort of like watches it. There's like there isn't like a thing where like you're gonna, you know, go down in history or, or something yeah. like that. I mean and the thing about it is I think more than just being in theaters, I think it's about the whole promotional because listen, anytime a movie comes out, it's this whole promotional run where it almost like you build up to it. Yeah. You see it on commercials, ads, YouTube, uh everything. You just seeing it. You seeing it until you finally go see it in the movie. It's so like this build up and then if it's good, it creates this moment. 
Like, yeah. right, it was not just going to see it. It's like, if you think about, like, say, just for the, in terms of the biggest example I could think of, like, Star Wars The Force Awakens, like, it wasn't just that it came out. It was like this big build up to the movie, and then it came out, and then you go watch it. And it created this whole moment within, like, a month or two months of the build up to it. And she's basically saying that that part of it is gone. Like, there's no build up to it to create this moment. Then when you finally see it, you're like, man, I would wait two months and it fucking blew my mind it's just like oh it's there should i watch it or should i not you yeah. know what i'm saying and uh but i'm that- gonna i'm gonna say this real quick i'm not a fan of her wording because i think i know what she means by it but i don't like the fact that she worded it as fake movies like well, it almost I, seems like she's dissing well i think she's doing that on purpose i think she's wanting to diss it like i think yeah but like i think movies on like that premiere straight to netflix right like on the whole yeah there's bad movies but there are there are filmmakers that make, you know, uh, you know, there are tours. Yeah. But I think that in my in reading of her quote, I think that Netflix is not doing the movie any favors. That's not to say right. that the movies are trash. Right. And I feel like she's saying when she says they're fake movies, I almost feel like she's dissing the movies, not the not the company, like the product that yeah. the promotional aspect. Well, I mean, to be fair, she said uh does she say service schools films fake movies? Uh, okay, I thought she said feel like fake movies. Yeah, I'm sorry. They feel like they look like fake movies. I don't hear about them. I don't uh, read about them. I'm. Uh, it's not a working model. That yeah. which I get that. That okay. So the part where like I don't hear about them. I don't read about them. We have movies that come out like on straight straight to Netflix that sneak up on us, and we right. cover this shit. Yeah. So I can understand her saying that. It's like but the whole fake like, movies. Yeah, yeah, about the whole fake movies thing. And also, people got to understand what Netflix. Their business is like Netflix changed the game. Yeah, they're not making movies like they they don't promote their movies on purpose. Like they like it's not like a thing where they're choose. They're not because their whole idea is for you to be chilling on your couch and going through what you want to watch yeah. and then stumble up on something good. Yeah, that that's what their model is. Their model isn't like oh look everybody get ready to come see this movie blah blah blah. They're Subscribe, not gonna, guys. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of money. Like people pay millions of dollars to promote to get people in the theaters. They're oh, not right. going to pay millions of dollars just for them to sit on the They're couch. They're already playing millions and, of dollars to make the damn thing. To make it, right. Yeah. So their whole thing is like, look, this is, you know, just chill on your couch and then stumble across this movie and say, oh, great, look, it's a Robert De Niro movie. You know, that's yeah. their point. The problem is, is if you're going to do that, you have to be more consistent with the quality. You can't just have a bunch of garbage coming out and then, because then you don't know what's garbage and what's not. Like, you're like, you know, like, like, oh shit, I don't know. Netflix be making garbage. If they get more consistent, then when you scroll across a so-and-so movie, you're like, oh shit, Netflix put out another good movie and you want to click it. So more than promoting their stuff, I don't feel like they should promote everything one of their movies because they're in a different business than the theater uh, movie business. But I do feel like they need to be more consistent and make great movies. And then when they do have a big movie, a Martin Scorsese movie, or if Nolan ever decided to do a Netflix movie, then you promote that. Like yeah. you don't play around with dudes like that. You you know get them the right promotion to let them know you know you're in the big leads. But be more consistent with making great movies, and then I don't think it'll be a big of a problem. Yeah, but either way though, I think she does have a point about the fact that. The the stream the straight to streaming movies the the streaming providers don't do the movies Justice. any favors nah. uh, in terms of longevity in Absolutely. terms of like cultural touchstones Absolutely. cultural zeitgeist yep uh, shared experiences kind of thing yep. so I think that there's something to be said Absolutely. about that I agree 
so that's it uh, for that that story here. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next story, which is about DC Fandom 2021. Ooh. Their lineup was announced. They got a, a, a big reveal trailer. Uh. And uh, yeah, it says here, break out the Batman and Wonder Woman cosplay because DC Fandom, a virtual event created or catered to comic book enthusiasts, is returning this fall. DC Fandom will take place on October 16th at 10 a.m. Pacific and will be available to watch on its official website or via Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. The free event gathers stars and creators of DC properties across feature films, TV series, uh, games, and comics. I want to say I might even be able to watch it like live that day because I think I'll be off. Uh, and offers attendees access to breaking news, exclusive trailers, and never-before-seen footage of its upcoming projects. This year's uh, gathering will showcase footage from a swath of Warner Brothers-produced DC movies, including a new trailer for The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson as the Cape Crusaders, clips from DC's... Uh, DC League of Super Pets. Why you have to put that in there? They should have put that on another article or some shit. You say the Batman, and then right after that, the League of Super Pets. Behind the scenes looks at Jason Momoa and Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. Okay, all right, good. Zachary Levi and Shazam Fury of the Gods. As well as a first look at Dwayne Johnson and, and, uh, and Black Adam as the off-delayed The Flash with Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, and Ben Affleck. My, ben Affleck's confirmed? Oh, I didn't even They've been confirmed, Ben Affleck. I, I thought it was like they were going to do... I thought they were trying to retcon Ben Affleck out to like... For Michael Keaton? Not for Michael Keaton, but to like recast him. Oh. That's why I, I thought they were going to do that where he comes back. Uh, from time traveling and then it's a different Batman. It's oh, different Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. Nah, I mean, they could. They confirmed Ben Affleck before they confirmed Michael Keaton. On the heels of the Suicide Squad, HBO Max will unveil an exclusive look at Peacemaker, a TV series centering around the anti-hero portrayed by John Cena. Also on the television front, viewers will get a preview of the new season of Batwoman, The Flash, Superman and Lois, and Sweet Tooth, plus a farewell tribute to Supergirl as it approaches its sixth and final season. The Warner Brothers Television is also preparing a first look at the new drama Naomi, an upcoming episode of DC's Stargirl. Hmm. And an upcoming... Okay. Uh, Warner Brothers Animation will showcase Aquaman, King of Atlantis, the adult animated series Harley Quinn. That's, I heard good things about that one. And the new show Batman Cape Crusader. Other animated titles in, uh, coming to DC fandom include two original films, Injustice, ooh, featuring Superman and the rest of the Justice League, as well as a heist movie called Catwoman Hunted. Oh, I want to see that so the, bad. The gaming portion of the event will feature new reveals for Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad Let's Kill the Justice League. Man, this is gonna be <laughs> this is gonna be crazy, bro. Uh, for DC uh, publishing, comic book readers will get a taste of the uh, three new Wonder Woman books, as well as new te- details about the universe-spanning Batman and Fortnite crossover. Damn, Fortnite up in this bitch too. Sheesh. Damn, DC fandom got the they got the ish, man. man so they going ham. All right, so uh, yeah, that's I'm gonna stop the uh, the stop the article there because that's pretty much all like all we need to know here. Yeah. So, Troy, you you are like the biggest DC fan I know. Yeah. Absolutely. How excited are you on a scale of ten? Man, 10? 10, 10, 10 and a half, maybe about twelve. <laughs> 12 yeah. You know? I mean, this is this is crazy uh, because last. DC fandom, it was a lot of stuff that was... It was the first one, right? Yeah, the, the first, first yeah, yeah, the first DC fandom. Okay. It was a bunch of stuff that was just starting production or wasn't quite in production. Yeah. So it was concept like... Concept art for Black Adam. Yeah, yeah, concept art for Black Adam, like concept art for The Flash and yeah. stuff like that. But now this is shit that's in production. So a lot of this stuff we're gonna see that we didn't get to see. And I'm telling you, we better see some shit from 
uh, The Rock and Black Adam. Not because, some concept art bullshit. Yeah, don't give me no concept art bullshit. Y'all been filming for a long ass time now. This movie has been in production for like a decade. <laughs> like, don't come with no damn, you know what I'm saying? Like, give me some footage. It don't necessarily got to be a trailer, but give me some type of footage to get me excited for this. You know okay. what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and it's, it's crazy because a lot of this stuff that we're getting... We didn't even we got nothing else since the last DC fandom. Like the Batman trailer blew my mind. It was amazing. We got nothing else since then. <laughs> the uh Gotham Knights, uh the I mean uh what yeah, that's the new video game, right? Yeah. Gotham Knights. Yeah, they showed us a DC fandom. Yeah, they showed DC fandom badass footage and like gameplay and all that. Oh yeah. Nothing else since then. Yeah. Like same with you uh, know Kill the Justice uh, League. Kill the Justice League. It was a CGI. Dope, it was a CGI. So dope yeah. ass CG trailer, but yeah. it was cool because that movie is far out. I mean that video yeah, game is far out. out, so it was like okay. But again, nothing since then. So since you're coming and get making us wait a whole nother year just to get something else, bring it. You know what I'm saying? Show me something for Gotham Knights to get me going nuts because we ain't got nothing since then. Show me something from um, the uh, Rock movie since we got nothing last time. Hopefully they can give us something from The Flash. I don't know because they literally kind of barely just started that. They've been filming for a while. They've been filming for a little while. Yeah, so they should have something for that too. But uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. This is, and the lineup is crazy that they got. Like, like, the lineup I'm super excited about even the animated shit yeah. Injustice like that shit's fucking crazy and I actually want to see this Catwoman um, hunted. The, the, the Catwoman hunted only because it remind me of this episode on uh, Batman the animated series is like I think it's called like uh, I forgot what it's called Colton the cat or something something about that just reminds me of that so I want to see that that was one of my favorite what, episodes what back the in hell the article I'm, I just read this part of the article on the same day DC Kids fandom what the? An experience aimed at young superhero buffs will launch its own website. The family-friendly uh, family-friendly event will offer sneak peeks at the upcoming DC animated adventures like Batwheels, DC Superhero Girls, and Teen Titans Go. Oh, I don't really care about that. That's for the kitty, kitty, baby, babies. But the Teen I, Titans, but, yeah. But uh, one thing, uh, one thing I am a bit disappointed in uh, when I hear this lineup is that I was hoping they had something else on my boy Static Shock. One of the things that came out uh, last DC Fandom was, and that had me most excited was they announced that you know Static Shock uh, is going to have a new comic run and they're doing potentially doing like a movie and all of this stuff on Static Shock. You know, I grew up on Static Shock and I was just super excited about that and then, so far, I, I, we heard nothing else about Static Shock since then. Other than I think they did start their comic book run or whatever. But I uh, I was hoping something about Static Shock would would be revealed, some kind of update. I heard Michael B. Jordan was involved in terms of producing, and uh, so I, I was just wishing we could have got more on that. But other than that, man, I this this lineup looks stupid, crazy. Yeah, that's true. I agree, and uh, we'll go ahead. And I just got to say real quick before we move on, uh, I am, I am uh, interested to, to say that DC Fandom was an interesting experiment. I want to say that again yeah, facetiously yeah, because yeah. DC Fandom last year was sort of like new. It's like, you know, a virtual convention, you know, yeah, those yeah. are like a, were popping off during, during, the, uh, during COVID times. But now yeah. it sort of feels like with this lineup, and, and I'm assuming that it's going to be successful because how much hype inducing yeah. the internet was ablaze when, yeah. it, when the announcement happened. I'm assuming that this is going to be like one of like their... DC's traditional way, uh, to like 
stop paying to go to Comic Con. Comic Con, yeah, you know what yeah. I, mean? I, I it think so. Money. It costs money to uh, Comic Con. Yeah, but this yeah. This will be like a yeah. I think so. Marketing too. blitz. Yeah, I think so too. I think this is gonna be a, a way to save money, but it's also creating kind of a movement of like people getting excited for you know uh, DC stuff. Just, yeah. That's how like Disney a, got D twenty three. Yeah. They also like just say you know fuck Comic Con. Star Wars celebration. Star Wars, yeah. right? They could have their own little thing, you know, and maybe eventually after COVID, they might turn it into their own actual little uh, con- physical convention. Convention, yeah. yeah. So who knows? But oh, like an actual dome, <laughs> a do- like an actual like fake ass dome <laughs> yeah, or something. Oh. That'd be pretty <laughs> badass. I- I'll be happy to see that. But I ain't gonna lie, that, like really out of a lot of these virtual kind of conventions, this has been like the only one that's been like yeah, yeah, like Comic Con did not do trash, trash. Comic Con at home had done nothing. Didn't then. like it. So like they they actually did their thing on this. So so yeah, I'm. Are you gonna be there? Are you gonna be watching the live streams? Oh, live! Like, I'm watching it live okay. because there's nothing like that feeling of when the Batman when they finna say, "All right, let's get let's uh have a look at the Batman." I'm gonna lose my shit. You know uh, what I'm saying? Just watching that live with that, I can't wait. Oh man, I don't know, man. Like I I don't know. I may be working that day. I can't remember what what, what my vacation is, but I wanted to say that. Uh, if I will watch, if I can watch it live, I will. But like, I might be a bitch and just go straight to the trailer when it gets yeah, broken. Yeah, I mean, it don't really matter because they're gonna be dropping like the trailer's gonna be dropping, dropping on YouTube. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so yeah. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to the extra news here. And there are 13 items on the list. Uh, number one, Marvel tweeted, "Happy birthday to Keanu Reeves." Number two, the Accountant Two is happening. Number three, Paramount delayed Top Gun Two and Mission Impossible Seven. To May 27th, 2022, and September 30th, 2022, respectively. Number four, Paramount also delayed Jackass Forever from October to February 4th, 2022. Number five, Sony delayed Ghostbusters Afterlife one week to November 19th to take advantage of the IMAX screens left vacant from Top Gun 2's delay. Number six, Shazam! Fury of the Gods has officially wrapped filming... And it's oh, yeah. still scheduled for a June 2023 Damn. release. What the? <laughs> <laughs> like, y'all done filming in 2021, and y'all ain't coming out till June 2023? You're two years, almost damn near two years. And, that, it, and I can tell you, not, there's no way it's going to take you two years to do special effects at most a year. Yeah, I, you know, my, hopefully, time, hopefully they'll push it forward. Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, hopefully that shit. Crazy. Maybe they're trying to just get the hell away from COVID as much as they can. Who knows? But. Yeah, but I just got to say real quick, though, DC fandom next year will be hot with Shazam Fury of the Gods. That, that, film, was, that film will be filmed, like finished filming, and it, they can show anything they well, want. And the thing is, I was just about to say, well, damn, if they finish, they better show something for uh, there's some uh, this trailer thing. or something. Yeah, but now they probably like, nah, we got to wait because this ain't coming out for two more years. They probably ain't going to have nothing really for Well, like, I'd imagine that whatever they showed us now in October for fandom this year would be like talking scenes, yeah, non-special yeah. effects scenes. Right, right. And then next year, they're going to show, show the, the CGI scenes. Badass shit, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, like I said, but that's kind of funny that they actually feel, they I mean, principal photography, it's one thing, but post-production is another thing, so, uh, but that's a long, that's a long wait time. At number seven, Venom 2 gets a PG-13 rating, motherfuckers, and its release date was changed again to come out two weeks sooner on October 1st. So instead of coming out on October 15th, they're pushing it up 
It's October first. See 1st. that that venom, that venom being PG thirteen, it made me feel like they they a little hesitant, like they ain't got faith in it. Like yeah. especially with all these movies these days, it's like more and more comic book movies are having faith to have make their shit rated R. Logan, Joker, uh, Suicide Squad, like uh, Deadpool. Deadpool yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like nothing fits rated R more than Venom. Like why the fuck y'all making a PG thirteen for the second time? I don't know. Wait, the first one wasn't. Right. No, nah, the first one, PG-13. Oh, yeah, uh, and, like, oh, everybody was disappointed because they literally announced it when they said, we're doing rated R. Like, yeah. like and then after the movie, it's like, yeah, nah, it's going to be PG-13, so. At the very least, they could at least do rated R cuts on the Blu-ray. Right. At the very least. But, no, it, the fact that it got PG-13, I was like, oh, man, that sucks. But also, uh, I, I think I read up on this article, I don't, I don't vaguely remember, but I think the reason why they're, they're bringing it up sooner is because of the success of Shang-Chi. That Sony was like, oh shit, he made money. Okay, well let's let's come out sooner. Mm. So I think that was good. I thought for some odd reason I thought that that Venom was delayed to next year. Uh, I don't know why mm. I thought that. Uh, number eight, Phoebe Waller Bridge departs the Amazon's Mr. and Mrs. Smith series. Aww. Number nine, in an interview, Angelina Jolie says it hurt when Brad Pitt worked with Harvey Weinstein. Quote: We fought about it. Damn. <laughs> Damn. You know, uh, you know the Weinstein company, like co-financed or co-produced, or you know, they helped with Inglorious Bastards, right? You know, well, that? I mean, that all Quentin Tarantino movies, uh, Weinstein's Weinstein. uh, uh, funded their movies, yeah. yeah. So that that was, but uh, Brad Pitt, uh, sorry, Angelina Jolie told Brad Pitt not to work with him, and she he did anyway. So yeah, yeah I mean that that's that's crazy because back then it was like. Before all the shit came yeah, out, before all the Me Too stuff happened. Yeah, all the Me Too shit came out. I think Brad Pitt was more like working with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Because it was a Quentin Tarantino movie, and uh, so. But I don't I, know, you know. But it was a thing. But it was crazy because it was a it's a thing that came out before he used to date uh, Gwyneth uh, Paltrow. Paltrow and. Something happened with Harvey. Did he did her something? He tried, made a move on her or something, and. Uh, it was documented that how um, uh, Brad Pitt actually defended her and said, if you ever do something to my girlfriend again, I'm going to beat your ass or mm. something of that effect. Like he actually stood up uh, for his girl in that situation. So it was kind of funny to hear that maybe like a few years later or 10 years later that his wife at that time, Angelina was like, oh, don't work with him. So it's, you know, it's yeah. weird. But that was, I mean, again, that's hard because that was before all the shit came out and all that. So who knows? You know? So apparently, like, I read the I read the article and it was talking about, like, how in the 90s he made a pass on her or whatever. It was very aggressive. And yeah. apparently Angelina Jolie wanted to distance herself completely from, from the Weinstein, like, all Perfect. together. Yeah. And was telling all her friends not to work with them. Work and, like, yeah. So she, in the background, was trying to, like, you know, cancel him, but, like, do it subtly yeah, without yeah. publicly like shaming right, or whatever right. so but yeah uh number 10 dune dazzles at the venice world premiere with timothy chalamet in a sparkly suit and a six minute standing ovation other movies got standing ovations including kristen stewart's film spencer and the benedict cumberbatch film the power of the dog and i'm standing ovations i don't get excited about that shit no more because <laughs> these days everybody gets the french standing. dispatch from where yeah, you were like, no, yeah, like, yeah. It's like but i just feel like everyone getting standing ovations it's like to me it's becoming like a new way to market something like <laughs> like uh, i remember they were talking about batman v superman got yeah, like a, a standing a, ovation a, in a, the executive suite or whatever yeah, yeah. it's like man cut that out i'm away and i see that shit like all these like all these movies getting standing now don't get me wrong it don't it wasn't surprising me because doom doom looks 
like a masterpiece. It yeah. looks like a straight up, and it's directed by Dennis Villeneuve, one of the greats of this generation. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but I'm just saying, I'm hearing everything getting damn standing ovations. <laughs> like, I'm like, come on, bro. Like, you know, so next thing you know, they're going to be saying Clifford got a standing <laughs> ovation. Like, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. That's not going to hype me up. They're not going to get me with that one. <laughs> they're getting you with the okie doke and stuff. Yeah, like they're trying to okie doke you, boy. <laughs> Number 11, Seinfeld to stream on Netflix in October. Number 12, Jordan Peele signs a multi-TV deal with Universal Studio Group. And number 13 was the box office report, which we talked about here. It was just like Shang-Chi opened at number one with $75.5 million. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it set an all-time Labor Day weekend record. And I'm just going to go ahead and pull up the chart here. Oops, wrong wrong weekend here. Uh, I, didn't, I, got, I didn't update the link here. Uh, so, yeah, Candyman made $10 million in uh, number two. It had a 53% drop. Free Guy also had another 32% drop, made $8 million. It's closing in on the $100 million mark for the franchise or for the for the box office hall total. Um, but yeah, I just see Jungle Cruise making 105 total gross and Paw Patrol at number five. So yeah, nothing here that's really amazing uh, as far as like I want to talk about, but that's it for the box office report. And uh, yeah, I know we sort of talked about certain things uh, as we talked about, as we were like talking, as it was coming up, but is there anything that you wanted to comment well, on? Well, I felt like Marvel tweeting that uh, uh, Keanu Reeves uh, made me feel like they trying to say something, you know what I'm saying? They trying to, you know, I feel like they giving us a little hint or something, you know, because why would they just, it's been a lot of celebrities' birthday. They ain't say happy birthday to everybody, so why <laughs> y'all just out of it? That made me feel like they secretly behind the scenes, either working or got something planned, or he about to be one of the new characters or villains or something, you know, so. Well, didn't they say, like, publicly that Marvel has had talks with Keanu Reeves, but they just couldn't find a role for him or something like that? I don't like know. That? I never heard nothing like that. But, I thought I heard something like that. But if they were ever in talks, that means it's a chance that they are back into talks, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. and the uh, accountant too, like, I just, uh, listen, I was cool with the accountant one with Ben Affleck, but and John Bernthal. Yeah, but I just don't feel like that's worthy of a sequel. Like, this is one of the things that <laughs> Hollywood doesn't need a sequel. Yeah, yeah like, this one of the things that Hollywood do that pissed me off. That money could have been given to a, 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 a new, fresh ver a movie, you know, something we never seen yet, you know what I'm saying? It, but instead, they wasted on a sequel to a movie that, to me, didn't have that much hype it was an alright movie I don't think the account was bad whatsoever yeah. but it wasn't a great movie it wasn't a big blockbuster hit why would you spend whatever you spent to make a sequel to that get after something fresh let's get a new movie a new vision or something new we ain't seen before instead we get a sequel so that's one of the things that Hollywood do that just irritates me sometimes yeah I'm a little uh, so, uh, upset about the delays for, for Top Gun and Mission Impossible like the Top Gun has been finished and honestly, for about at least for like a year. At least a year. And also, yeah, it was supposed to come out like last December, I want to say, at the very earliest last. But like the thing about like Top Gun specifically is like it was, I think it was announced at a Comic Con, I want to say. And uh, I forgot what year. And I think it says it on this article, but I can't quite speed read that quickly. Uh, but I, basically, what this article ended up saying is like it would be a three years by the time the movie was announced. So the time the movie was uh, came out, came out, so yeah. something like that, and then uh, so yeah, that's that's it sucks, and I think that Paramount has mostly been you know selling their movies to streaming services, mm. and then they were like, and then they were taking like their bigger tentpoles like a Mission Impossible, and, and then they're delaying them, them yeah. and they're holding them off to. I like, mean, I mean, I I can't blame that because with the with the like, listen, you gotta imagine if you put up. 
200 million to make a movie or 150 yeah. million to make you a need movie. To make a billion. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to risk putting it out and losing your money. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I would rather hold on to my shit too until it's ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't like feel like we got it all since it's done. Let's put it out. No, I, me personally, the idea of pushing shit back is a better idea than bringing it out and putting it on a streaming service. You yeah. know, I'd much rather a studio hold it back, wait until this shit dies down, and then do it where you feel safe and you can make money again instead of like, all right, let's put it out and put it on a streaming service. That shit's done. So, I mean, if you think like between like Black Widow, F9, Shang-Chi, you would hope that Paramount gets the picture that it's okay to release. Yeah, but you got to understand the movies you just named though. Like, like, a Marvel movie, Marvel movies, of course, they're going to make good money. You know what I'm Fast saying? Movie. Fast and Furious, of course, that's going to make good movies. Like, But not all blockbusters are going to do that. Like, They they have a built-in audience where people are like waiting and anticipating and ready to run out to see it. Where Top Gun, yes, it has a classic movie before it, but I don't think no one's like can't get sleep yeah. at night because they're waiting for it to come out <laughs> you know so it's like they're uh counting on bringing everybody in by their marketing you yeah. know so uh i wouldn't just risk just any blockbuster you know what i'm saying just because it's a blockbuster yeah and i'm I'm just surprised by ghostbusters though why well, i don't know why you would want to delay a week from november 11th to the Neither. 19th yeah. i think it's really weird because yeah you 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 vac you vacate spots for like uh imax screens but at the same time, why don't you just have the IMAX screens on November 11th? I don't understand what the issue was. So um, I'm not a fan with that uh, delay either, uh, especially because the November 11th was my birthday weekend. So I'm not going to be watching Ghostbusters during my birthday. So that sucks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all I want to say. Oh, yeah. And there was a couple of stories that I didn't that I didn't get to make the cut. But one of the stories that I remember off the top of my head was that, uh, and this was not a movie story, uh, but apparently Joe Rogan had gotten COVID. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, yeah. Her, I saw that story during research, but, yeah. uh, but anyways, we'll go ahead and, uh, and kick things off to, to check this out. So for Check This Out, we have uh, six trailers. Now, I am going to go ahead and say that I did not include any trailers that dropped today, the day we're, we're live streaming this, uh, because I kind of want to save that for next week's episode since we traditionally record on Mondays. I actually did not make any alterations to the, do to the doc uh, to include any new stories that dropped today um, on purpose. So we'll go ahead and just sort of uh, start off with the Red Notice trailer the Red Notice trailer dropped um, last week, and it was starring The Rock and Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot, and uh, it looks like an action romp, and you know, uh, it's like it looks like a big budget action spectacle movie, and uh, it's coming out straight to Netflix. You know, I feel like this move, this Netflix is trying to make a movie that would come out in theaters, but they're putting it on Netflix and stuff like yeah, that. So, yeah. marketable stars, cool action sequences, cool visuals, and yeah. I would say Dwayne Johnson's probably arguably the biggest star in the world, maybe, probably. So, um, have you seen this trailer? Are you excited for the movie? Are you anticipating it? Um, I'm not excited for it, um, but it, uh, I'm definitely going to watch it. You know, it's one of these movies that, you know, you you excited to see. Like, is it going to be just your typical action bullshit, or is it <laughs> going to be, like, something very, you know, unique and 
uh, interesting to watch, you know. And I feel like they put three legitimate stars in yeah. there. You know, I still think Leo DiCaprio is probably the biggest star in the world, but The Rock is definitely right there. And uh, Gal Gadot is probably the most beautiful woman in the world. So it's it's definitely something I, I'll check out for sure. Yeah, yeah. Damn, she just kicked their she ass. She beat their ass. She, <laughs> she went Wonder Woman on that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, of course, as a, as normal, and check this out. All the links will be in the description when I update it. Sorry, you guys on YouTube, I'm not able to update the description, so I wouldn't. Oh, have... and uh, two DC characters, I might add. With, oh, yeah, uh, that's yeah. right. That is true. Black Adam and, uh, and Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, and Marvel character. Oh, yeah, Deadpool. and Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this... Uh, this movie kind of looks like uh, like the action movies of like the early two thousands. I want to say, like it feels like it reminds me of a bunch of like like movies from like Gone in sixty seconds, kind of sort of. Speaking. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I see that. I see that. So uh, we don't. We've been like a lot of movies get greenlit on on uh, on branding on like the IP and mm -hmm. not on star power. And yeah. this is they so like they went back to the, like the star power yeah. to try to yeah. So. Anyways, we'll go ahead and uh, and move it on here to the next trailer. Uh, by the way, Red Notice, let me pull up the trailer here. It says on the description here. It comes out on November 12th on Netflix. Uh, next up is Belfast. And Belfast is a black and white movie um, starring like Judy Dench, among others, which I can't even, if the names were too fast. But uh, Jamie Dornan, I don't know a bunch of these names, but there's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a black and white movie set in the 1960s. And it comes How out on. I got colored in. What the hell? It comes out on November twelfth, and you'll see why. It, oh. There you go. See, most of the movie looks like this in the trailer. Oh, okay. uh, and by the way, black and white movies they don't they don't happen have as much. And I, I you almost kind of forget that there's making a black and white movie is a different art out of itself because lighting is different. Uh -huh. But yeah. but yeah, so it looks like a drama. Some of the camera angles are very weird. Like the cinematography is weird. Uh, like there's like a shot. Where like the camera is pointed directly facing the actors, like as if the cam uh, actor is talking to the camera, but the actor is actually talking to like another character that they're looking at. So like this kind of shot that right here. Yeah. So I love like, it. It's really weird. I'm not a. I'm not a. I kind of feels like they're just sort of playing around with cinematography. More uh, than I, like. I, I mean, that, that's for something you have to see because a lot of times cinematography depends on the movie, like they're trying to the point they're trying to get across in the movie. So like something like that, you wouldn't be able to tell until you see it. But me, I personally love it because. I think that's what filmmaking is about. You're supposed to get shit that you won't want to see the same imagery over and over. You want to see unique imagery that like stands out and be different. Also, it's a new technology <clears throat> out where you could like supposedly put the cameras right in the face. They use it in Suicide Squad. I think Suicide Squad is one of the first movies they used it in, and uh, like it could easily put movie uh put the camera right in someone's face and then move it like right here in their face where you couldn't do that at first so that might be something they're using in this who knows but i like I it because they don't have the budget for this this movie, this movie doesn't look like a high budget movie but go on uh but uh regardless it looks fantastic to me like i, I like uh fresh ideas and fresh new looks so uh it says the, the the synopsis reads a boy grows up during the tumultuous 1960s that's a uh, very basic very, synopsis. Very, yeah. Uh, doesn't give us a lot to work with, but the trailer looks like a drama. So it almost kind of reminds me of a musical at times in the way it's shot, mm. to tell you the truth. Uh, but anyways, uh, next up is Moonfall, which I saw this trailer for the first time in theaters when I was watching the, the, the Shang-Chi. 
and Me too. Uh, yeah, I did too. And it's a uh, it's a Roland Emmerich movie. It stars Halle Berry among other big name stars like Michael Pena. Um, and the synopsis reads: In Moonfall, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around the Earth, and it sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. With mere weeks before impact and the world on the brink of annihilation, NASA executive and former astronaut Joe Fowler is convinced she has the key to saving us all. So I'm going to stop the synopsis right there because this synopsis actually goes on for a long time. But that's all we need to know. It's an action like it's a Roland Emmerich movie. He made like 2012. He yeah. made Independence Day. He makes yeah. he makes things go boom, kind of yeah. like Michael Bay. But yeah. but yeah, actually, kind of like Michael Bay. Uh, so yeah, this trailer has uh, lots of destruction, a lots of wanton like CGI destruction. Yeah, it looks awful. Uh, the day after tomorrow, kind of. Yeah. yeah, it looks awful, man. The the CGI. Really? <laughs> yeah, the CGI looks so fake. And maybe again, it's a trailer, so maybe they'll. You know, it up polishing somewhere. it up but like it looks terrible based off what i've seen and i'm not a fan of uh emory his movies really yeah his movies aren't good to me like uh uh like uh, the day after tomorrow the uh, day after tomorrow was probably one of his better ones but even that movie if you go back and watch it it's not as good as you yeah. remember it but uh like uh 2012 2012 terrible movie uh the, the only good one was was independence day one independence day one was a classic and uh he did two too right i don't know to tell you the truth he might have if he did two, two was an atrocious like awful movie so i don't know i'm not excited for it so who knows you know i might see it and i like it but to me it looks bad i kind of like roland emmerich movies because i'm i'm a bitch and i like to like turn my brain off and watch movies that's that are kind of trash sometimes uh, as long as i have a bucket of popcorn in front of me on the big screen then i'll ha i'll be happy uh so i'm sort of looking forward to it i'm not like dying to go see it but i like spectacle sometimes i like spectacle for spectacle's sake to tell yeah. you the truth so. and uh real quick don't it look like uh what's the name from uh, uh abomination don't he kind of look like jeepers creepers like, oh, where, 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 he where, gave where. me Jeepers Creepers vibes. Oh, shit. Like, he does look... Oh, like, Abomination like they, does look like Jeepers They completely Creepers. changed his design from, like, how he looked in The Hulk. Like, now he looked like Jeepers Creepers. That, just side yeah. note. I just seen that. Uh, also, I just... Well, they wanted to be more comics accurate because he had fins. Oh, and, yeah. And in Marvel Phase 1, they didn't want to... Be take those, accurate. Be accurate, yeah. Because yeah, they didn't... They it didn't know that they were, yeah, I was taking a risk. Yeah. yeah, so they didn't have like Groot and and Rocket Raccoon to yeah. like to prove that you can do weird shit. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's interesting stuff there. But uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the next trailer. No Time to Die had its final trailer. Uh, I'm assuming that it is in fact going to come out on October eighth. It's uh, in this trailer. I'm not going to lie. With how many trailers this movie has had, because this movie was scheduled to come out pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, like. This trailer for me actually sort of hypes me up, but at the same yeah. time, with how much they showed, I'm starting to think to myself, what if they showed like all the good shit? Because between every trailer they, they've been putting out, yeah. it seems like they're just sort of telling the story. Like yeah. you can almost see the whole movie if you've seen every trailer. Yeah. But I'm I'm not gonna lie, they showed like some good like spectacle. Yeah. I'm, I'm like falling for that. Yeah, that this looks fantastic. I mean, uh the, I'm I'm very excited for this movie. I'm a huge Giant Bomb fan, and uh, it looks like they're gonna bring it with this one. So I'm curious to see. Um, it, but see, what, the thing that I'm excited about is like it doesn't look like if you watch the last one, uh, Spectre, like you, they had a lot of action in the movie and like when you watch it, the action scenes are good and to me the movie wasn't that good. But when <laughs> I see this movie, I see like emotion in it and I see like great acting involved in it and the action kind of complements that. So it makes me feel like I, I have a better feeling that this is going to be a good movie. So this looks very fun. Yeah. Rami Malek is the villain, by the way. So 
Yeah, this uh, this movie looks good. I'm, I'm I'm actually for the first time I'm actually excited to watch the movie because like I don't know I just sort of kind of like watch these Bond movies just to watch them and now this one actually looks good. So yeah, and yeah, maybe if this movie if this movie actually is good like like uh, not just like commercially but like good like quality wise. Yeah. Then I would uh, say that this is a good way to end the, uh, Daniel Craig's run as Bond on a high note. Like sometimes, yeah. like when you think about like uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan, like his final Bond movie was Die Another Day. Yeah. That movie was kind of trash, to yeah. tell you the yeah, truth. So I'm saying like you gotta, you always want to sort of stick the landing and end on a high note. Yeah, I mean I think he's due for a good one because if you notice how the giant um, franchise been, it's like a good one, bad one, good one, bad one. <laughs> you know, it's really been like that since, and the last one wasn't that great. So it's about time for a good one again. So if it if it continues the way it's been doing, this should be the good one that he's yeah. going out on. So exactly. Um, this one is uh, next the one, horror movie. the horror movie *Malignant*. And I, I almost debated not putting this trailer on. Check this out because this movie comes out this Friday. I think it's really weird that they put out a trailer seven days before an opening. <laughs> they literally put it out a week, a week, uh, a new trailer. Uh, and I don't really want to spend too much time about it because I'm not even really looking forward to it. We're gonna talk about *Malignant* on uh, on new releases. Uh, uh, so were you looking forward to this movie or not? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it really? just because it's James Wan. You know, James, oh yeah, I forgot James, it was James, him. James Wan is the almost like probably like the king of uh, horror, horror yeah. directing. So uh, that in itself got me excited to where I want to see it. And also, um, it does look to me it looks a bit like a scary premise. Like it, it don't. I don't know in terms of how good of a movie it's gonna be. Who knows? But I know James Wan is a solid director, and it looks kind of scary. So I'm actually on the opposite end on this one. Okay, me. fair enough. We'll talk about it on new releases, and let's see if you uh, give it your pick of the week. Um, next up is, and this one, uh, I'm a, I debated deleting this one, but I didn't change the doc. Uh, it's called The Guilty. It's a teaser trailer. It's a movie coming straight to Netflix um, later on uh, later this month in theaters, and then on October first. And on Netflix, it stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Ethan Hawke. And it's, uh, the synopsis reads, a troubled police detective demoted to 911 operator uh, duty uh, scrambles to save a distressed caller during a harrowing day, a harrowing day of revelations and reckonings. And this teaser trailer is just like a voice that you hear on the trailer like later on. Mm. But it's just like voice of like him answering the call as a 911 operator and then she's like kidnapped and she's like uh she can she was like calling in front of her kidnapper uh while being subtle like he's like does he know that you called 911 like no yeah. and all that stuff and then she just sort of hangs up like like very suddenly so it's just voice and we don't really hear it. i mean we kind of sort of get the premise and the guilty the actual real trailer dropped today which we'll talk about it next week uh but as far as uh, this movie, have you heard of it? Have you seen this teaser trailer? Are you? Uh, forget about this. Let's talk about Spider Man Far From Home. <laughs> like, uh, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, nah, I haven't heard about this. One. I don't nah, care. Okay. All right. Well, well, we'll actually, I'll show you the trailer for the real trailer next week. And it sort of reminds me of that Halle Berry movie when she was the 911 operator. Oh, that movie was bad. But, like, but it, take that movie and combine it with, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's most intense movies, like uh, Nightcrawler. Mm. Just sort of mash them together. You can yeah. kind of get that tone. So, you know, just saying. Uh, not a whole lot of trailers this week, and that's it for trailers. And so, yeah, I, I would say, like, the best trailer out of all of them was Red Notice, what I would say. But we'll go ahead and move it on to Netflix and chill.
All right, so for Netflix and chill, we got the charts and we got Netflix uh, or streaming recommendations. Uh, number one is clickbait, which I think it went up from last week. Number two is money heist. Number three, very timely, turning heist 9-11 and the war on terror. On mm. war on terror. Uh, it looks like a documentary, a Netflix documentary, and it's uh, they were 20 years out from 9-11, actually, so that makes sense. Number four is Afterlife of the Party. Number five. Green Lantern? Why? What the fuck? <laughs> the, the, the Ryan Reynolds that's, Green Lantern charted. That's so random and ridiculous because that movie, movie sucks. Bad movie. Number six, random as hell also. Welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins. The Martin oh, Lawrence movie. Oh, shit. Damn. I'm a, uh, that's a guilty movie pleasure of mine. I remember seeing that in theaters at AMC. Uh, Ro- uh, that was like a, where Martin Lawrence was like a black Dr. Phil, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Had all the actors in there, man. Yeah, it was it James Earl Jones in it or not? I don't remember. It had a lot, it had but a lot. It, it was Everyone. funny, though. Yeah, I remember liking it. That's and one of them real black movies. If like. you were black and you were famous, yeah. you, were, you were invited to be on the yeah, movie. Yeah, that's one of the real black movies, man. For so, sure. Mike Epps, I want to say. Number seven is Manifest. Number eight is Shark Dog. Number nine, the Michael Keaton Oscar Buzzy movie debuts at number nine. Worth. What oh, the fuck? Shit, that was a low debut for a drama. I mean, at least it made the top ten. But, I mean, <laughs> you got t- shit like Green Lantern. Yeah, like, <laughs> doing better. Yeah, like... <laughs> shit crazy. Number 10 is Coco Melon, as it's always going to be in the top 10. You know that boy, Coco Melon ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I sure. Uh, number, uh, the top 10 movies on Netflix, so just uh, filtering out all the series Afterlife of the Party, which was number four on the Damn, regular. Damn, Green Lantern went to two? <laughs> well, yeah. Afterlife of the Party was like the number four movie, like watch, uh, watch thing on the, the Netflix chart. So that's actually the best movie because the top three were, were series. So yeah. Afterlife of the Party at number one, Green Lantern at number two. This is crazy to me. <laughs> the like, second, the second most popular movie on Netflix is Green Lantern. <laughs> that's just crazy. Number three is Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Number four is Worth, and then finally the the new the new entries. Number five, He's All That. Number six, Wind River. Number seven, Vivo. Hey, Wind River. What's that's that one? My shit, that's the one with uh. Oh, girl from um the one that plays uh fuck and Marvel, both of them from Marvel, Hawkeye and uh Scarlet Witch, and they're like it's like a drama of and it's like a mystery drama. Holy like, shit! This that, movie came out oh, 2017. Uh, uh, fucking Jeremy Renner. Yeah, hell and, yeah, uh, and Elizabeth Olsen. Like that motherfucker, shit. bro. It reminds me of like some like it's some dark shit, bro. Like mystery, dark drama, bro. That shit fucking I'm gonna, good. I'm gonna man. put the image of the uh, the post. It, it reminds me of a, a modern day Fargo. Like if you ever seen Fargo, yeah. it's like a modern day Fargo. It's fucking good. Nothing is harder to track than the truth. Oh wow. Sheesh, man. There's uh, some. I'm some seeing like some um, screenshots and stuff like that. It looks. This movie looks uh, engaging. I yeah. Didn't Never heard of this movie. It was dope. All right. This number seven on Netflix. Uh, number eight. Actually, no. Sorry. Wind River was number six on Netflix. Uh, number seven was Vivo. Number eight is SAS. Rise of the Black Swan. Number nine is Sweet Girl, the Jason Momoa movie that I. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if you. Man, I was like, I was gonna, I was gonna say recommend it to you, but no, honestly, it's kind of like. Nah, I kind of want to see that because that's the one with Momoa and uh, uh the. Uh, fuck. Uh, what's his name? The the wrestler. What's his name? No, that was C. You're oh, talking that's about C. Okay, okay. You're now. talking about uh um. Fucking Drax. Yeah, yeah, Drax. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Damn. I thought it was uh, him. No, that's C. Uh, season two, I want to say. I don't even know if he's in season one. Number 10 is the Bruce Willis movie, Tears of the Sun. There's a lot of old stuff that just sort of trends out of nowhere, by the yeah, way. Between sure. Green Lancer and Welcome Home and yeah, Tears of the Sun. Ra- random. Wind River. Like, yeah, I mean, Wind River, that's good. Like, I don't know why that out of nowhere is done. Because that movie came out like four years ago, but it's still fucking good. All right, so the top 10 on iTunes is number one is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Number two is Jungle Cruise. Number three is The Boss Baby Family Business. Number four is Wrath of God. Number five is No Man of God. Oh, sorry. Why did I say Wrath of God? Number four is Wrath of Man. Yeah. And number five is No Man of God. I mean, I, got, I sort of read those two together. Uh, no Man of God, by the way, is the Elijah Wood uh, movie with uh, the fucking serial killer, Ted Bundy. It's oh, a Ted yeah. Bundy movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, see that, actually. Number six is A Quiet Place Part 2. Number seven is Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Number eight is 12 Mighty Orphans. Number nine is Spider-Man Far From Home. And number 10 is Black Widow. See, stuff like Spider-Man, it makes sense. I've been seeing, since the trailer came out, I've been seeing Spider-Man on TV. I've been seeing Spider-Man playing everywhere. So it makes sense why that, uh, that Spider-Man is going to be in the top 10. And yeah, I think it was like at number three or four last week. More than Green Lantern being in anything. (laughs) The top ten movies on Amazon Prime. Number one is Don't Breathe 2. Number two is Jungle Cruise. Number three is Stillwater. Ooh, that's a good one. I like Stillwater a lot. Number four is F9, The Fast Saga. Number five is Respect. Number six is A Quiet Place Part 2. Number seven is The Green Knight. Number eight is Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Number nine is Black Widow. And the number 10 spot is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. That's still water. I like how that's up there in the top five over all this other bullshit like The Fast and Furious. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I like Quiet Place Part 2, though. That's my shit. Don't Breathe 2, though, at number one, man. I thought that movie was trash. It was, but like somehow. But I mean, hey, that's really good, though. The fact that Don't Breathe you know, made that kind of money because I always felt like the first one was underrated. So it's good to see, even though the second one ain't good, at least it's getting buzzed now yeah. as a franchise, you know. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation for the for the week is a movie that you can find on Amazon Prime. And I forgot to put it on the dock here where you can find it. Um, I don't know why I don't know why I put the year uh, it came out. So let me delete that. I don't ever do that. Um, so 500 Days of Summer is a uh, movie. Such a good movie. From 09. And it's on Amazon Prime right now. It stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt and, um, fuck, what's the new girl's name? Uh, Zoe Deschanel. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. trying to remember, like, the show The New Girl. Uh, Zoe Deschanel before she was The New Girl. Um, and she sort of plays, like, the, the manic pixie, uh, dream girl stereotype mm-hmm. very well. Um, and the movie is from like, you know, taking place uh, from Joseph Gordon Levitt's perspective. Uh, the reason why it's called 500 Days of Summer is because Summer is Zoe Deschanel's character's name. And so you kind of sort of see like a love story like blossoming where like Joseph Gordon Levitt is in his feelings and he's like falling in love. And yeah. he's like, and it's like the, the movie is told in this really weird chronology where it's not taking place in, uh, in like chronological order. It just sort of jumps around yeah. in the timeline. Uh, you know, between like the breakups and getting back together and meeting each other. And my favorite part of the movie, and I'm going to spoil it, but my favorite part of the movie was whenever he first falls in love with oh, Zoe yeah, Deschanel. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he has like this musical sequence with like animated birds yeah. like flying around and he's like, 
the whole like all everyone's like in the background starts dancing with them and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the uh, Harley Quinn scene and uh and uh the Suicide Squad. Su- suicide Squad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just sort of see his imagination. Yeah. And so like there was something about that that just sort of hits you in the feels, and I just loved it. It was just yeah. It's like one of the best scenes in a movie, oh, yeah. I would say. Oh, yeah. And uh, and it just uh, I, I just kind of I, I I hated the the movie at the time. But then, like, somebody asked, like, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt an interview question about 500 Days of Summer is, like, sort of, like, asking about it later after the fact. And he sort of, like, clarified something that sort of made me, like, rethink that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he basically uh, says that it's his character's fault and not Zoe Deschanel's. Everyone's mm-hmm. putting the blame on Zoe Deschanel, yeah. but it's really Joseph Gordon-Levitt's fault. Yeah. But we all see it through his perspective, so we don't, yeah. Yeah, we don't give him the blame. So Good movie, though. Good movie. Fun movie. And uh, charming movie. Yeah, yeah. Troy, uh, you've been on a streak where you haven't been having a recommendation. Please tell me you thought of something. Let's continue. (laughs) I'm just playing. I I actually got two. I'm only do one, but I I, I probably do Doctor Sleep next week um, from HBO Max. But this uh, this week I'm gonna do Ford v Ferrari. Um, Where can you find that? On HBO Max. Okay. And. that that movie uh, stars um, Matt Damon and Christian Bale, and it's about how Ford uh, desperately wanted to beat Ferrari because Ferrari shitted on him. Yeah, and uh, and so the end of in the big race, whatever the fuck is called, Lamont '66 uh, or something yeah. like that, they wanted to build build a car that can beat Ferrari, yeah. and they also needed a racer good enough to. Uh, to win the race, you yeah. know what I'm saying? That's where Christian Bale come in because he's the badass racer. Mm-hmm. And then Matt Damon, he used to be a racer too, but he's a, a coach know, now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they brought both of them on, and then it's like conflicted because they don't really Heads like. Yeah, and, they don't like Christian Bale's character, so they want someone else. And Matt Damon, like, no, we need he the best, and blah, blah, blah. So and, it's, and like, it's like, and he's like, and he's criticizing the engineering of the car. This it, car sucks. Yeah, Redesign yeah. It. Redesign it. Yeah. One of the best movies that came out in 2019. They got nominated for Best Picture. And uh, it, it was just badass action, but at the same time, very uh, great story, great character, great acting, of course. You know what I'm saying? Great director. The same director that directed Logan did this. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, just all around the board. It's funny, funny scenes. It's just a fantastic movie. It reminds me of movies of the 90s because it's like... These days, you either get big budget blockbusters or get very small movies that, like, yeah. the in between movies is the mid budget movies. Yeah, are. they kind of fade out. This like that real classic mid budget movie, even yes. though the budget actually kind of high, but it got that mid budget feel to it, where it's not like they're trying to blow you out with scope or it's not trying to art film you to death. It's like <laughs> it's like right in the middle. Somewhere. It's the like best of both worlds. Yeah, kind of that thing. best of both worlds. It's just a, a fantastic movie. Star and power the, and yeah, yeah I seen it twice in theaters, and it's like. Even seeing it again since I seen it in theaters, I just still love the movie the same. So it's, it's yeah, yeah, I agree. I watched the movie in theaters, and it definitely has like a lot of like f- funny comedic moments, and it's mm. sort of it sort of got like a little thing, a little thing for everyone. There is yeah. some spectacle in the movie. By oh the yeah, way. yeah, it got that. So it it's got, got a little. Spectacle. It's yeah. not That's what I'm just, saying best of both worlds. Like worlds yeah. yeah, and I don't want to sound like very. I don't want to like uh, like diminish it by saying it checks a lot of boxes, but it does. But yeah, it does. That's also yeah. sound saying it that way makes it sound very like it's sort of like diminishing it, but it's yeah. not. Nah, yeah, so sure. yeah, it, it it definitely deserved all the Oscar buzz it got that that year. So um, we'll go ahead and move on to the final segment of the show, and we'll wrap it up with the new releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. 
Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So for the new releases this week, we have six, three, four, five, five, five new releases here. And uh, this is a, a very hard one for for um, you. for me for uh, for pick of the week because I'm not particularly excited for any one thing. Damn. <laughs> but we'll go ahead and move on. Uh, we'll go ahead and read these synopses and we'll see what it, uh, see what we pick here. Uh, Malignant comes out in theaters this Friday on September 10th in theaters. Um, in the film, Madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders and her torment worsens as she discovers these waking dreams are in fact terrifying realities. The film stars Annabelle Wallace, Maddie ha- Hassan, George Young, and Nicole Brianna White. I have not heard of any of these actors. Me either. Uh, next up is The Card See, Counter. This one actually might be one of my picks, only because it's written by Paul Schrader, mm-hmm. the same yeah. dude that uh, wrote uh, Marge Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest movies ever made. And then also, I believe Mark Scorsese is involved in this. He ain't directing, but he's like a producer or some shit. So this one might slip into it. I don't know. So this is malignant, malignant, whatever. Yeah, so what he's, what he's talking about, by the way, just not getting confused, about, uh, about uh, Martin Scorsese and, and, uh, and Schrader, he's talking about the next upcoming release I'm about to read, not about Malignant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Malignant is, star, is directed by James Wan. This next one uh, for, for new releases is called The Card Counter, and it comes out in theaters this Friday on September 10th. And it says, uh, William Tell is a gambler and former serviceman who sets out to reform a young man seeking revenge on a mutual enemy from their past. Tell just wants to play cards. His Spartan existence on the casino trail is shattered when he's approached by Cirque, a vulnerable and angry man seeking to help execute his plans for revenge on a military colonel. Tell sees a chance at redemption through his relationship with Cirque. The film stars Oscar Isaac, Tiffany Haddish, Ty Sheridan, and Willem Dafoe. That is a cast right there. Martin Scorsese serves as an executive producer. And by the way, this poster, the poster says, Martin Scorsese presents the card counter. Have you seen that poster? No, but they're like, they're trying to use Martin Scorsese's name on the dad and mention the director. (laughs) Martin Scorsese presents the card counter. And also, like, then there was in there movies like Quentin Tarantino presents or whatever, you know, like that kind of stuff. Or what was like the the one where like, wasn't it with District 9 where it was uh, Peter Jackson presents or something like that or whatever? They try to do that shit to promote Ah, let me see here. Like the, I'm gonna pull it up here. The card counter uh, images. So when I, yeah, right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, they really wanna see, cause the 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 whole point, the smart thing, the, the reason why studios do that is because the average person don't know the difference between a director and a producer. They just know the name. So like, you put Martin Scorsese presents at the top. They just assuming, <laughs> oh, this is a Martin Scorsese movie. Like they're not thinking like he just a producer yeah. and ain't really probably got shit to do with the movie. Really, you know. Put the image up on screen here for the podcast. Uh, uh, but yeah, it says it says it right there and presents, and then it also says right there, written and directed by Paul Schrader, right there on yeah. the bottom. Yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, uh, movie. I've never heard of this movie until doing the new releases. By the way, for I've real? never heard of this. Well, I hear about it until this week. So yeah, yeah. So 
Yeah, I literally never heard about it until I was getting ready to pull the doc together. Next up is Queen Pins, which is out in theaters this Friday. Um, we talked about the Queen Pins on the Check This Out on a previous episode of the podcast when we talked about the trailer. Um, a frustrated suburban housewife and her best friend hatch an illegal coupon club scheme that scams millions from corporations and delivers deals to legions of fellow coupon clippers. Hot on their trails is an unlikely duo, a hapless loss prevention officer and a determined U.S. postal inspector, both looking to end their criminal enterprise. The film stars Kristen Bell, Vince Vaughn, Paul Walter Hauser, Kirby Howell Baptiste, singer B.B. Rexa, (laughs) Joel McHale, and Jack McBrayer. That is a good cast right there, by the way. I mean, Jack McBrayer, I haven't heard about him in a long time, but he don't know if you know who he was, but... He was on this NBC show. Uh, but yeah, that one is... Uh, I've seen the trailer. I was very entertained by it. Uh, surprisingly, Vince Vaughn isn't playing a comedic role. He's playing a serious but, I mean, that doesn't role. surprise me because lately he's been trying to kind of like go towards the serious because maybe because his career ain't booming like it yeah. used to be. So he's trying to kind of lean toward being a serious... Yeah, he can't make Wedding Crusher like movies at his age anymore. Right, so yeah. But yeah, he's like... he's. It's a, this movie is a bit of a comedy... But his character isn't funny, like on yeah, purpose. Yeah, he's not meant to be. Funny. He's not, yeah. So he's like, I'm, I'm a hard-nosed detective. I'm trying to hunt her down, and yeah. Uh, next up is Small Engine Repair, out in theaters this Friday. The seemingly casual reunion of three old friends at an out-of-the-way repair shop masks a hidden agenda fueled by the arrival of a privileged young yuppie. The film stars John Bernthal, Shay Wingham, John Polono, Spencer House, Jordana Spiro, and James Badgedale. I haven't heard about him in a minute. He's been in TV a lot. Yeah. Uh, James Badgedale. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it for the movies theater stuff. And then out this Friday on Netflix is Kate. Um, after she's irreversibly poisoned, a ruthless criminal operative has less than 24 hours to exact revenge on her enemies and in the process forms an unexpected bond with the daughter of one of her past victims. The film stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Miku Martineau, and Woody Harrelson. This movie reminds me of Crank But Female. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, because she's poisoned and she's trying to, like, you yeah, know, run, yeah. Run, yeah. So, also, there was a movie about, like, this one, like, a girl gets shocked or whatever we talked about the other, yeah. on new releases a couple weeks ago. So, it sort of has, like, that, those two movies sort of, like, melding together. Uh, this movie, I'm not even going to check out. I mean, this is, like... This looks like a... It's funny how you admitting it right after real. Like, I ain't even gonna waste my time with this shit. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the trailer looked cool, but I'm not... This looks like a time waster, to tell you the truth. I'm not even gonna bother. How the trailer look cool, but it still looked like a time waste? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, It looks like an action movie. Like, I've, like, seen, just another I've movie. seen this movie before. Well, answer well, this. Are you gonna watch The Rock movie with, with uh, Gal Gadot and uh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds? Oh, yeah. Well, what's definitely. the difference? That, that looked like just an action movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but I it's got, got better stuff. Superstars, okay, superstars, yeah, yeah, and a bigger yeah. budget. Yeah, that makes sense. And a bigger budget, by the way. But yeah, my pick of the week. I think I'm gonna give it to Queen Pins. I think I might actually watch it in theaters because I actually kind of want to check it out because the trailer did it for me. I remember okay. reacting. I checked this out when I'm like, okay, this looks cool. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I think I might check out Queen Pins. Uh, probably more than likely, I may have impressions for you if I do watch it in theaters this weekend. I'm not really like I never heard of card counters, so there's no marketing hype. I like the cast, I like this, I like the people behind it, 
but I've never heard of it. So Card Canter, I'm not bu- I'm not buzzing about. I'm not a fan of horror movies in general, so I'm not about I'm not about malignant. So yeah, I think by default, which is the worst one, by default the winner in my books is Queen Pins. Yeah. So what's your winner? Uh, I think I'm gonna just go ahead and lean towards malignant because uh, you know, uh, unlike you, I love horror movies, and I felt like. If this wasn't directed by James Wan, it'll just seem like another horror movie. You yeah. know, uh, the trailer doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look, you know, just like oh my god, this groundbreakingly different. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, uh, th- th- it's not like when Hereditary dropped. Yeah, like, yeah Hereditary yeah. just like I knew just from looking at the trailer, it's a generational type of great uh, horror uh, movie. That? Midsummer or something. Yeah, like or Midsummer. Yeah, by the same director, but. Uh, you know, but uh, but James Wan directed it, so I'm gonna give it a chance. And uh, you know what he was able to do with the uh, whole um, Conjuring franchise, you just gotta get in Saw and stuff like that. You gotta get a guy, you know, the shot. So I'm gonna look at Malignant. It looked interesting enough to me. If you watch it in theaters, would you uh, give us some impressions next week? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be it for the show. Um, it is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at ready, ready Play Movies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chocolaka88 and Troy. Bracey Troy 58 So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. I'm out.